Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and thank you for tuning in to our Thursday night programming of Totally Driven Radio. <laughs> but why wouldn't you tune into the greatest show heard all around the world? <laughs> Right here we are. It is Thursday night. Totally driven radio time, people. That's right. Are you driven? I'm driven. I know Janetti's driven, so we're all driven. That's right. Totally driven radio. We're live. It's totally driven Thursday, and we are here with a hell of a show for you tonight. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait. My name is Bay Ragney, and uh, like I said, uh, Mr. Jimmy Janetti, my co-host. He's uh, my partner in crime, as always. Now. What's going on there, Jeanette? How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it's over now. That's amazing. Um, it's over now. Yeah, there you go. Thanksgiving. Yeah, I am driven. Driven nuts, but it's a very short trip. <laughs> well, you know what? This is the perfect night now for you to admit that you are driven nuts because uh, our first uh, actual, like our first interview, I shall say, coming up at 9 o'clock, is, uh, is a woman by the name of Ashley Burgess. And uh, Ashley is a psychologist. Oh, of course she is. As All well right. as... Here's what's the that? deal. I'll okay. be nice. Don't throw to me. <laughs> Don't throw to you. <gasps> Famous last words, right? Yeah. Don't do it. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's great, though. You know, I'm really excited by it because um, she's got a hell of a resume. And not only is she a, a psychologist, but um, she's a talk show host. She does a couple shows um, that's syndicated all around, uh, as well as she's an author. She's written a few uh, best-selling books. I, I mean, she's got a hell of a resume. So, um, and she is, I, I mean, bottom line, she is totally driven because, uh, like, you go on her website and you see all the stuff she's doing and she's up to. It's really freaking impressive. So, uh, I can't wait to talk to her. I really can. I can't wait to like pick her brain, find out about her. And uh, I love talking to people just like that. And we talk to people from time to time that are doing so many different things like um, Ashley. And I just like to know how the hell they're doing it because I'm trying to do it. And at times I end up like you, like a little nuts. <laughs> so how do they, you know, stay on that even keel? Do they? I, I want to know. So, we're going to find out. 
That's I just I just believe I have beliefs that all psychologists and lawyers and politicians should all be at the bottom of a lake. <laughs> but I don't want to pollute the lake. That's see, there's this. That's my problem. So other than that, yeah, but l- lawyers is a is a whole different end of the spectrum. Yeah. Well, no, I mean it, it's a whole broad spectrum, very much. What I said there. So, um, but yeah, they all deserve it. some way, shape, or form. Ah, Gennady, Gennady, Gennady. Full of love, yeah. as always. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, then we have coming up in our second interview tonight. It, it's a, ter- it's like a different show tonight. It's like a, it's almost like a serious show, I guess you can say, because you know normally our our guests are more entertainment based. You know, uh, a lot of musical guests or you know, TV, sports, whoever. Um, tonight we don't have that. We got like real people guests. So at ten o'clock, our ten o'clock interview, uh, his name is David Richmond. And uh, David, uh, sadly, his um, his sister passed away, passed away from cancer. Um, I think it was a few years back, and uh, he put together an organization called Cycle of Lives, and he rode a bike around the country, raising uh, raising money and awareness and all. So that I mean, that's again, that's totally driven. That's very freaking yeah. impressive. And, um, yeah, I just want to, again, like, how do you, like, put that in your head? Like, all right, I'm going to ride around the country on a bicycle. Well, and and you could probably ask the uh, psychologist about it before (laughs) (laughs) it comes on. Uh, (laughs) You know, and say, look, you know, everybody deals with their grief in different ways. You know, uh, some people, you know, that it, I, I guarantee he didn't just pick up a bike the next day and go, you know what, oh, I'm no. going to ride around. So I'm sure he was his, one of his many activities probably was bike riding and, and you know, bike racing or whatever he's doing. So that just natural progression of, well, you know, to impress people or to get this message out there, I have to travel to uh, travel the country. Now the thing is too, though, like, I, I'm I, like for you, for instance, like sure. you said, you said last show, like you didn't feel like driving up for the, um, you know, for Thanksgiving, the, you know, whatever the eighteen-hour ride it is yeah. or whatever. You also didn't yeah. feel like driving three hours to meet friends for dinner. Mm-hmm. Now that's in a car. That's just hitting yeah. the gas pedal. Uh, imagine oh, pedaling. Around the country. No, I wouldn't do it. (laughs) Exactly. But that's me. But that's, you know, that's me. So if, you know, I would have to do something much different. And I would have done something much different, you know, in instances, different instances. Um, You know, as we all have. You've done different things with your grief and, and, you know, doing certain things. Uh, it wasn't to the extreme of biking around the entire country. But, you know, again, like I said, people deal with, with grief differently. And, you know, something in his life about biking, and, and he just 
naturally took it to a all new level. Yeah, yeah, extreme that you or I would never. <laughs> don't tell me you want to you want to ask him how he did it just so you can do it because uh, I don't think you'd do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, dude, I'd be lucky if I can ride a bicycle to Philadelphia, let alone around the country. Yeah, right. The airport. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I wonder if I can make it to the airport first. I mean, it, that's like an eight-minute car ride from my house, so mm-hmm. it, it would probably take me, you know, three freaking hours to pedal it, <laughs> you know? And it, you know what? A coincidence it is, though, I just, last week, uh, as I was walking around, uh, walking the dog around the neighborhood here, uh, somebody put a mountain bike in the trash. And didn't want it anymore. And yeah, I, I, so now I have a mountain bike. <laughs> but the tires are flat. I need to go get the air in the tires. So now, are you going to um, actually ride it? Uh, yeah, probably, most likely, most likely. It's nice around here. I mean, to to be able to, do, you know, uh, to do that. It's it's. Today was hot. Today was it was not so much fun to do, you know. I guess to be riding around, but um, you know, the evenings now are a little cooler, uh, and it's a nice area, a gated community, so I don't really have to worry about you know people and <laughs> 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 about. So yeah, I mean, good exercise. Too funny. So, and actually coming up any minute uh, will be our good friend, Miss Kristen Burt. And um, I'm actually getting ready to post a picture of it now. The, um, I get to unveil my final four. I get to open my envelope of my final four of uh, Dancing with the Stars so we can see how bad I actually did. And, and I've been well, waiting. I haven't opened it yet. I've been waiting for Kristen. Do you, do you not remember who you picked? I Is totally don't Oh, yeah. Okay. Does I she know who don't. she picked? Does she remember who she picked? Uh, she said to me uh, earlier in an email she was going to go back and uh, check out her tweets to see if she can find it so she can see her final four. Uh, okay. Well, you know. So there you go. Uh, but anyway, no. I was like, well, you guys have fun with that. We're going to have fun. We are. That, we always have fun. With I, so let's welcome her to the show. What's up, Kristen? How are you? Welcome back. How was Thanksgiving? It was good. Very good. Excellent. Everyone ate a lot? (laughs) You know, everybody that's asked me, all I keep telling them is it was delicious, because it truly was. Yes, I ate everything, and then the next day I ate, like, pie for breakfast, like, on all the good leftovers. (laughs) It's so awesome. You never want Thanksgiving to end, right? No, never. And what see the thing is, is it kicks off the holiday season, and we wind up eating the rest of the month, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know that's totally like I was doing pretty good, and now I'm just back into like that fat guy mode where, you know, <laughs> you're damned if you're even going to attempt it for this month because it's all good food for the month coming. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, lo- I love eating. It's it's really a hobby of mine. It's delicious. 
Oh, it's such a good hobby to have and so bad at the same time. It it is. I you know, my problem too well, it's problem it's I have a faster metabolism, so I don't always eat as healthy as I should because I'm like, oh, well, I can eat anything. That's actually not good because you get to a point where you're like, you just start realizing like, oh, I'm missing green vegetables and, you know, healthy things for my diet because I just ate a bag of potato chips or a bunch of cookies. You know what? Maybe you can be like, uh, which (laughs) you got to find this really ironic. Like the, the guy that invented the Big Mac, he lived to 98 years old. I saw that. You know, I was thinking about that. My grandmother was someone who loved her Manhattans and loved to smoke and did it up until, like, the day she passed away. And um, she she wound up passing away from um, a, a rare illness that, like, just like a total freak thing. But had she not had that, um, she probably would have lived to, I'm, I swear to God, like 125. Wow. She was never sick you know, other than this, like, random weird skin thing. But I have to tell you, like, I was so sure that she would, you know, outlive us all. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, my grandmother, she she died at 98. She smoked probably, like, at least a pack and a half to two packs of cigarettes a day. And she ate literally, I'll say on average of six days a week, was macaroni. Some type of Macaroni. macaroni. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. And every day for lunch, it, it, I'm telling you, it's amazing. Like, my grandparents lived with us, grow, with me growing up, and uh, <laughs> scary. Monday through Saturday for lunch, she had every day she made an egg omelet. Like, it was a different egg omelet every day with a dozen eggs, and it could be with, like, one day was spinach or one day was potatoes. One day could be ham. One day could be hot dog. But it was a different egg-style omelet every day. Peppers and eggs, potatoes and eggs. It was just – that's what she did. Yeah, and strong constitution. Like, that's the thing. Like, we get so obsessed with, like, eating organic and, you know, eating super healthy and doing detoxes and yoga and meditation. And sometimes I'm like, you know, they just, you know, ate – what they should and the amount that they should and then had an amazing right. work ethic and things weren't automatic. You know, women especially, um, you know, when they had to do the laundry, it was physical labor. It wasn't just right. like, oh, let me throw things into a washing machine. It was physically scrubbing <laughs> all the laundry in a bathtub. Um, so we've lost all of that. So when people are like, oh, everyone's like really fat, I'm like, well, besides the processed foods, we don't do the physical labor we used to either. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like 100 pounds, too. She was like this little tiny thing. Yet everybody else in my exactly. family is all overweight. My family's all over the place. Like, my mom's one of six, and 50% are overweight and 50% are lean. I, I mean, go figure. How do you how do you work that out in a family? Oh, well, how about, uh, like, your parents? Is one overweight and one not? They are both lean. And so... I, I lucked out in terms of the gene pool there. Um, so, and, and out of my dad too, here's the other thing. He's, there's three of them in his family. He's the only one that's. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? I, like, no. There's so many things. Like I know that we all try and like, oh, well, 
this, that, and the other thing. But I don't even think genetics necessarily makes sense sometimes either because I, I look at what my family looks like and my immediate family were all lean. However, but if I look at like my grandparents and some of my aunts and uncles and cousins and things like that, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I was going to say that too. I mean, that's kind of like just saying like the whole genetic thing that people try to fall back on really don't mm-hmm. make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. You know, and I, you know, I, I can say what was done in my family. I mean, my family was very, very active. We didn't, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of TV. I was in dance class. Like my brother was on the little league field. We were skiing. We had tennis, like, or my dad was like, just go outside until like the lights go on, you know, that'll, you know, street lights go on. That's when you come home, you know, you'd be outside for eight hours. But, um, but, and I also had, and I think this plays into it too, because we're also busy and we all have to have two incomes to make a living just to survive. My mom yeah. was a stay-at-home mom, so dinner was on the table. Like, there was a little bit more thought going into nutrition. We didn't eat out as much. So that plays into it for all of us, too, I think. Uh, totally. I, I mean, I know, yeah. like, growing up, it was because um, my father died when I was real young. Uh, my mom, she was on a fixed income, and she didn't have it. And my grandparents, they were both retired. So, uh, yeah, the money wasn't there. And if we ordered, like, a pizza once a month, it was, like, special that was it a super treat absolutely meanwhile like now it's like i mean i know my family we eat out like at least twice a week yeah we tried to stop that this year um at our house and it's actually been so much better i actually feel better um and we probably eat out now once every two weeks it's kind of interesting if you do it however it takes time to cook and everything else so i've had i've done and i like to cook and i'll do the cooking but I'll do more cooking now on Sundays and be like, okay, great. We can eat this like for a couple of days or here's a casserole I can freeze. Like you have to put a little bit more thought and planning into it. You know, there's times none of us have that time. Just have a busy yeah. week. 8,000 exactly. things going on. Exactly. Wow. Not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it is not easy. So, uh, any news, any news going on out there? Yeah. I think like kind of the big thing has been Kanye and his health. Um, that's really been the big story, and um, I, I think a lot of what has happened in the past, let's say, four years of, like, Kanye, like, going on a rant or Kanye being unusual in an interview or some of his Twitter feed, a lot of it's probably starting to make sense. And um, things that we like to dismiss in the public, we don't necessarily know what's going on behind closed doors, but it's clearly he's suffering from some type of mental illness. And that, you know, it's just not artistic genius or it's just Kanye being Kanye and being crazy to get publicity. You know, he basically had some type of psychotic breakdown. Um, You know, we don't know what it is. We don't know if he's bipolar. But um, the initial thing, the initial diagnosis of exhaustion is not what it is. And and exhaustion, I think, is a term that a lot of publicists just use to be like, he's tired. He has needs. He's dehydrated. You know, obviously, it's much, much deeper than that. He spent two weeks in the hospital. He just went home last night. Um, his whole tour is canceled. And people are like, oh, he'll probably get back out on the road soon. I'm going to say he's going to take some, some serious time off. I don't know what that is, but at least through the holidays, they've again stopped filming Keeping Up the Kardashians. This is the yeah. second time in about six weeks. So I think the family really just needs to regroup. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like at this point I'm like – have you all seen the cost of like living your life so publicly at a certain point, the money's not worth it. 
No, not at all. And, and they, yeah, I mean, they're all like the whole family is just go, 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 go. And they, mm-hmm. they need a break. They really do. And do. you can see the effect it's taken on all not, not just, uh, I mean, Kanye, but all of them. Yes. And you know what? I sit there and I think, I go, I feel like they're cursed. Like, I feel like they're this generation's Kennedys. And I don't mean in terms of, like, epic what they do, but I'm t- in terms of, like, bad things happening. And, you know, there's right. a lot of addiction that's happened. There's been death. There's been, you know, even even though I don't think that Caitlyn Jenner's transition is a tragedy, I do think it was a very public and difficult thing behind the scenes for the family to deal with because of course your dad is now your mother or your your dad's at least a woman I mean that takes a lot of time to process um and I just think that it's a struggle and it's great that they um shared it with us in some ways because I think it does open some people's minds but at the same time I I think uh, shutting down the cameras every once in a while is a good thing. And I'm glad that they've done it a couple times, but I'm like, maybe you just need to take a break and pick back up in like March or February if you need to do the show. Right. I don't watch yeah. the show anymore, but some, some people do. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I, I know for myself, it's hard for me to process. And I, Bruce Jenner has nothing to do with my life. <laughs> you know, it's still hard for me as an outsider looking in who grew up as a kid in the seventies and just remembering Bruce being this iconic athlete on those Wheaties boxes and to see him now, it's hard for a a normal person. I think just to process, let alone a child uh, of in the situation. You know, I was talking about this with a friend and I said, you know, what I find really interesting for me and, you know, I I cover celebrities, you know, every day of my life, um, you know, Chaz Bono was someone that transitioned, um, transgender man, and I didn't find that transition very difficult. Like, I just was like, great. Like, it just, Chaz was also very open with his transition. Um, Laverne Cox is someone who had already transitioned by the time she became famous, but um, I've interviewed her a bunch of times, and she's lovely, and she's actually one of my favorite people to interview. Um, but I think uh, the Bruce to Caitlin thing was really an, a harder one, and only because I too knew him as the Olympian, and then oh, now I, you know she for a chance to win unreal. Sorry about that. What was that? <laughs> you want an honest answer? Won something. Yeah. That, that was that was fantasy football. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I hope someone won because it says you have a chance to win. I'm like, what are we going to win? <laughs> yeah. When, when I click on my fantasy football tab, it like I. I forgot it plays like a pop-up ad. I know. I always have to make sure that my computer's muted. If I like click around, you're like, oh. <laughs> but anyway, I just, but I think the Bruce, the Caitlin thing was so public and he was so public for so long. And I've had so many different sort of, you know, Caitlin was an athlete. Caitlin then was kind of an actor, you know, personality. Now was part of the Kardashians. There's been so many chapters to the story. It's just it's taken a little bit more time to get used to. I think too. No, I, I mean I'm probably wrong about this, but I think the fact that now he's kind of, or she has kind of like she's not out in the public as much anymore. It, 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 like at first it was such a public thing, and it was like she was really wanting herself to be out there. And it's like now mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's kind of like. 
everybody has passed her on now. Like, okay, like, who cares? You you did this. Who cares now? It's it's your world, and nobody has interest anymore. Or it's just the fact that maybe now is she the one who's pulling herself out of the public? Yeah. Well, her her show was canceled. It you know lasted two seasons, and then that was it. I think people just kind of lost interest, and. I think Caitlin will be somewhat a part of, you know, some ongoing storylines and keeping up the Kardashians, but I think people have moved on. And in some ways I think it's great because it's honestly like great. Like let Caitlin be Caitlin and do what she wants to do. At the same time, I'm like, I I felt like Caitlin's former (laughs) identity as Bruce was probably um, more recognized or, people were a little bit more interested in that story. So it's kind of interesting how that shift happened. And it happened pretty quickly. You know, that initial, like, Caitlin's out, Caitlin's on the cover of Vanity Fair, Caitlin's at the ESPY Awards. That was, like, this huge, massive publicity, you know, speed train just going 18,000 miles an hour. And now it's like, wow, it's really on a slow boil. (laughs) Yeah, big time. Yeah. I, I would just, I'd love to know what's what's going through her head. Like, is she upset by it? Like, you know what I mean? Is she is she okay? Bottom line, is she okay? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, we don't hear much from her, so I'm assuming that she is okay. Because I, I don't think I don't think that um, Caitlin was always thrilled with all the publicity she got when she was just a regular family member on keeping up the Kardashians. Right. Hmm. So I think it's definitely one of those things that um, maybe this is the best place because she's happy and she doesn't have that constant paparazzi presence. Right. I hope she is. I hope she truly is happy and I'm being dead serious. I mean, I hate to see somebody go all through that and then be even more miserable than they were before. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I think um, it, it probably takes several years to even get used to your new life and everything else like that, and maybe doing it away from the press is, is the best thing. Um, and, you know, transgender, the suicide, suicide rate is very high, whether you transition or you don't transition. So I think being able to just sort of have a little bit of peace away from the public eye is, is probably a good thing um, to keep mentally, keep yourself happy right. and healthy and in a good place. Right. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> any Crazy. good things happening? Any good things any happening? Good in things, any good <laughs> things happening? The Victoria's Secret runway show was taped last night and it'll air on Monday. That's always exciting. <laughs> Which uh, they do their annual Christmas special. And weren't the uh, wasn't Kendall and Kylie in it? <laughs> um, Kylie was not, but Kendall was. Um, and I think the other, you know, big models that everyone follows are um, Gigi and Bella Hadid, which they've sort of emerged from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because their mom used to be on the show. Um, but I was like, that's happy news. That'll air on Monday on CBS for everyone that's interested. Yeah. And you know what? It's kind of like a, a good time because, like, so many of the shows now have taken their winter finale. So, uh I think a lot of people are really tuning in. 
<laughs> they probably are. They're like, what is on TV? I mean, that's the other thing. It's, it's, you know, it's either holiday specials, like Hallmark has a Christmas special running every single night, or you can find some of those fun animated shows we all grew up with, you know, like Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph and everything. Right. Or you're binge-watching Gilmore Girls, which I think a lot of people did over the Thanksgiving holiday. It's really one of those things you're kind of like, is anything on TV? Because I think people expect, I think the networks expect um, – people to be out and celebrating and shopping and parties and sure. things like that. So they don't really focus on programming as much in December. This is true. Now, how about um, uh, your show, your favorite show, Dancing with the Stars? Dancing with the Stars. I did pull up. I was like, I can't even remember what order I put everyone in. I kind of knew who it was, but um, I had to go back in my Twitter time machine to go take a look and see uh, who I had picked. So I want you to open your envelope because I want to hear who you pick. Okay. Oof, God. It was uh, it bad? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was bad. All right. Uh, I actually I had an honorable mention, which was which I know uh, I remember she left a few weeks ago, was Mary Lou Henner. Yes. That's not bad I, because she was partnered with Derek Huff, so he usually gets his contestants pretty far, so that's always a good guess for top four. Now, well, we'll, we'll say she was number five. Here's my actual top four. Coming in at number four, Babyface. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> he was out early. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he was like one of the first ones gone. Um, yeah, he number was three, like the first three. Yeah, number three was Megatron. Oh, and he came in third. So you are... Smart and on the ball. Yeah, well, wait till I tell you to my first, my last two. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> coming in at number two. <laughs> oh no. Amber Rose. Yeah, she made it about halfway. I figured she was a stripper. I mean, she's got to know how to dance, right? Totally different type of dance. Totally. You know what was funny about Amber Rose? I actually like her personality. I think she's very real and she knows who she is which I like in people like I think that's a great quality but I was surprised at how shy she was and she was a very timid mover for someone who has showcased her body she didn't move very big on the dance floor and would kind of dance under herself it was really interesting well you know you got to give the girl credit if she can move that all that around on those little heels (laughs) she did it she certainly did it and you know I came away, like, with an opinion of her, and I will say I walked away saying, you know what, I do like her. Uh, there's a realness to her. It's not enough for me to, like, follow her and become a total fangirl of her, but at least to give her the respect that she deserves. She, she definitely seems more, um, more real and sincere as a person than her uh, counterpart, Black China. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny when you start like meeting people. I also interviewed um, Karuchi Tran. And for people who don't know, don't know Karuchi, she became famous over Instagram and then for dating Chris Brown. Um, and I interviewed her probably about six weeks ago. And she was another one that I was just like, she knows exactly who she is. She is real. There's no, you know, not putting on a show, not, you know, there's no facade or anything else like that. So it's hard because we, we look at people's images, especially through social media these days, and we only get a small view. 
Um, and sometimes we don't get the, the real personality. It takes getting to know that person or even interviewing or having an interaction. But I would love to interview Black China because I, I don't get her. I just don't. So maybe an in, uh, in-person interaction would change my mind. She just seems kind of snaky. Yeah, and I think getting involved with, like, Rob Kardashian, like, there's a lot of – and there's all these weird ties with the family that with, between Tyga and Kylie and Rob mm-hmm. and Kim, and, and it's it's messy. <laughs> and it just yeah. seems calculated, the whole thing. Totally, totally. And I hate so, thinking are, that way because I don't want to think that way about people. Do you know what I mean? But on paper, it looks really shady. <laughs> yeah, but some people don't help themselves to, like, have you not think that way about them? True. Like there's no, they don't sit there and take a step back and go, okay, you know what? This is probably not my best move. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of not their best move, my number one choice. <laughs> uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, now, again, I thought this person, I mean, they, they're, they dance. They were they used to dance back in the day. I don't understand this, but Vanilla Ice. I thought he was really going to win. I knew he was not going to win. However, I have to say I was surprised he did not make it farther. Um, I would have at least put him in maybe sixth place. Had I been a betting woman, I mean, I, I thought that Ryan Lofty would have gone way before Vanilla Ice, and and that just was not the case. And and again, Vanilla Ice was great on the show. Everyone liked him. Behind the scenes, I know that um, he got along well with everyone, but for whatever reason, the audience was not there. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I, I was really thinking, like, this was going to be his big uh, resurgence. Like, this was going to be his mm-hmm. true, real second chance at mainstream again. And uh, I, that's, yeah, I really thought he had a chance. Yeah, I did too. I wouldn't, you know... I didn't put him in my top four, but I would have put him in my top six had I done that. So kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. It really is. I can tell you who I did. Um, I had Lori and Val to win, which they did. Um, I put Calvin, a.k.a. Megatron. I put him in second place. He should have been in third. But I put Mary Lou and Derek in third. Um, And then I put James and Sharna in fourth, and they wound up coming in second. I think a lot of people miss sort of uh, the fourth place winners. Um, which were um, Gleb and Jana Kramer. So Jana Kramer kind of like hung around there, and I don't think anyone thought that she would make it that far. Right. Hmm. Very, very interesting. So you, now when you just never uh, know. Yeah, you, you really don't. <laughs> when um now when does it come back? It will be back in March. Um, so what will happen in January is The Bachelor will slide into that same time slot. And okay. um, The Bachelor usually does about 10, it, it varies between 10 and 11 weeks, depending on the season. Um, and then immediately after The Bachelor ends the following week, Dancing with the Stars season 24 will pick up. And when do you think they'll announce the next cast in like February? Yes, they usually announce the cast um, the Tuesday after the Oscars. So the Oscars are February 26th, so we should hear on February 28th on Good Morning America. Wow. So we still got a few months. It's all very okay. planned. <laughs> yeah. It's all strategically planned. 
<laughs> it really is. And now I can sort of like predict certain things. It's kind of funny. You're like, oh, yeah, I got this. <laughs> All right. So a uh, totally different person of the week. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I was thinking really hard about this one. And I was like, I'm not sure I have one this week. I'll the scary part is that I actually had two answers, actually. Um, you did who? Okay, well, the first one, this, like this is the first one I, that uh, came to mind was um, the people of Gatlingburg, uh, Tennessee, just with all oh, the fires, yeah. damage, and all that, like just um, horrible tragedy down there. That was my first thing, and then that's um, a good one. I actually I sat and watched uh, before we went on the show tonight. Uh, the Leah Remini show from uh, Tuesday oh, night. So good. So good. Isn't it fascinating? I am scared for her life. <laughs> I really am. You know, it's it's not a joke because, um, you know, she's really been fighting the church um, in the two years since she's left, and no one has fought as hard as she is. I've interviewed Leah several times, and I love her. Another person, super authentic, like knows who she is. And... Um, she does not back down. She is someone that definitely, like, when something's wrong, she won't be silent. And this is her way of, you know, talking about the church. And I feel like she's not going to stop talking about the church until it's gone or it's dismantled because there are so many injustices. And God bless her for doing that because she does, she's putting her family and friends at risk and herself. Yeah, it's scary. It's really a scary situation, like, and after like we watched it, I said to my wife, I said, you know, the thing for like Leah or these other people that got out, I wonder at what point did they finally say to themselves, I just feel so stupid. I think that they all do. And um, I've seen interviews um, outside of this show, but a lot of people are like all the money I wasted, all the time I wasted, the people I isolated. Um, but it's a cult. And, you know, if you're at a place in your life where you're kind of lost and they take you in and give you direction or they, you feel like they're changing your life or something like that, um, at the time and in the moment, and we've all been there even in, like, relationships, you know, when you're like, this is fine, you know, or you get out of it and you're like, what was I thinking? It's kind of the same thing. But I think that there's a lot of, like, what ifs why, or why didn't I? There's a lot of hindsight that is involved in exiting a cult like Scientology. Scary. <laughs> it's just really, really scary. I mean, I was kind of freaked out watching it. I really was. I wasn't yeah. thinking that bad. It, it is that bad. And it's probably even worse because I think what's disgusting and it, and it does sort of start to change your view is that, especially with Tom Cruise, because she's talked about it, you know, that, Tom is considered the Messiah in, within the Church of Scientology and that a lot of his staff um, is from the Church of Scientology and they're paid about $25 a week. They are part of the Sea Org, which is kind of like the work um, division of, it's like a, it's a labor camp essentially, and they work for him for $25 a week. And, and these are people cleaning his house and taking care of his kids and, you know, working as his assistant. Um where in the U.S. are you making $25 a week? I mean, kids probably have an allowance that's equal to that in some households. So 
They're making more money. It's really dismaying. They are. They are. And sweatshirts, sweatshops are wrong. So, and that a celebrity is okay with this going on around him. And I think some of it he's probably shielded from, um, but at the same time, you have to have some slight knowledge that this is going on. Yeah, no, totally. And now you can see why, um, what was her name? Katie Holmes? Katie Holmes. Yeah, now you can see why she left. (laughs) And it's, you know, I do believe that there is some sort of, um, you know, that that in a divorce that she had to sign sort of like a a clause saying, like, I'm not going to speak about this and things like that. And she probably doesn't want to out of fear for not only her own life, but, um, but also for her family, you know, her daughter and, um, but she just wants to get away from it. And I think you don't realize how scary it is until you're actually in it. Yeah. Uh, Jeanette, how about you? Did you have anybody, uh, did you pick anybody? Um, I was going to go with the uh, actual firefighters of uh, Ooh, Tennessee. Yeah, the Tennessee firefighters who today I saw some pictures. Uh, these guys are actually getting to sleep for the first time in like God, 30 hours. Mm-hmm. No, somebody got okay, and, and, and also, you know, kind of going all on with that, you know, the firefighters, um, the, the families that are suffering, but also Dolly Parton for raising awareness and raising a ton of money yeah. to get people back on their feet. Absolutely. It's, so, it's, yeah, I'm going to go with the fire Huh? I said that whole thing just was so scary. Yeah, I kept looking. It's, it's, uh, what's his name's places down there? Cooters from Dukes of Hazard. He has his, um, his uh, he's got a couple places, and one of them is there. The first one, his main one. And he's got like his Dukes of Hazard museum all tied in with it. I was like, oh man, can you imagine if he lost all that stuff? And uh, I kept checking like every day, every, like day and night, because they were saying all the businesses around them they heard were destroyed. They couldn't get there to, to check on it. And when they finally got there, I think it was yesterday, um, the place was okay. But some of their workers um, lost everything. And uh, like the, I guess somebody there that works with them started to go fund me to help them get back on their feet. Hmm. Wow. It's a scary thing. It, it is. is. It is. And, you know, I think for for us out in the West Coast, like, fires have always been sort of a part of our weather. Um, yeah. And we kind of have a, a season. But I feel like we are seeing more and more of these really extreme storms, because they are. They're firestorms, essentially, um, everywhere in the country. Um, you know, and it's always when people say there's no global warming, I'm like, there's something going on, kids. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you don't have to call it global warming, but you got to call it something. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, even here, we, um, that's all they've been saying for the last few weeks. So we, we've had like no rain. And, um, they were yeah. saying like we were like, you know, we needed rain desperately and we haven't had it in so long and blah, 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 blah. And then we finally had, uh, t- the last two days of rain. Um, so it like equaled out to everything. So now we're supposedly back to normal. Like okay, whatever. It's weird, but yeah. I mean, I mean that whole global warming thing is going on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if you don't want to call it global warming, call it something because we're all dealing with um, different weather patterns than we're accustomed to. And you know, we had 
I know in California, and I, I mean, I've been out here long enough to kind of understand what our, even though we don't have major seasons like the East Coast, we do have seasons where weather changes. And we've gotten to a point where um, our spring is actually very, very warm. Our summer has been cooler. Our fall gets warm up, warms up again. And then, you know, we do have kind of that winter with a little bit of rain. But, yeah, I mean, last year I was standing at the Oscars and, you know, it was like 80 degrees. And so you... You know, normally it, it should be somewhere about like 50 or 55 or 60 at that time of year, but it's not the case. So something is happening. I'm not a scientist, but I'm letting you know something is happening. <laughs> uh, it's definitely happening. It's definitely happening. Yep. So who, who should we pick? I, I don't even know who to pick. Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess you got to pick like just Gatlinburg in general, the people and the firefighters. Yeah, I think so. And I just, I think, um, you know, this is a it's it's tough at any time of year, but this is a, a an especially tough time of year when it's supposed to be kind of a, a joyous time of families getting together. And you know, I don't anything think anyone anticipated having to sort of pick their lives up the way they have to. So that's very stressful. Yeah. And Leah will be on next week, so we can pick her next week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's awesome. <laughs> She's um, amazing. She's really a great yeah. interview. So all right, so what do you uh what do you got going on for the week? Um it's it's a busy week. Uh this is this, all the way up until about the 15th. There's always like a a bunch of things going on, but um I've got American Ballet Theater. They have a big winter benefit going on. We've got um SAG Awards nominations coming up cuz it's award show season. I've been seeing quite a few um quite a few uh, screenings and everything else because we're really in sort of that, that full force of what's happening with um, Oscars, Golden Globes, everything else. So, but it looks like La La Land is still the front runner. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out because it's still a long way till February 26th as far as I'm concerned. So we'll see how this all plays out. But lots of activity in Hollywood. Always. Always, exactly. Always. You know, and I just remembered we're not actually going to be live next week because it's my daughter's birthday. So I'm oh, going to do it. another December baby. Yep, yep. She hits the big nineteen. Oh, last year as a teenager. Ooh, I didn't even think of that. I'm scared to tell her that. Yeah. I don't think she realizes it either. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking in two weeks then. Sounds good. And hopefully we'll have a, a lot of sort of award show talk and really get a clearer picture of what's going on because most of the nominations other than Oscar nominations will be out by then. Absolutely. Cool. Can't wait. All right. Sounds good. Take care, Kristen. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody, there she goes, Miss Kristen Burt. You can follow her all over the world with social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's uh, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-T. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-T. And, I, and I've just been delivered devastating news by Mr. Jimmy Gennetti. Dude, I, I, I saw, as soon as I saw the, the, the little like teaser headline in the instant message box, Holy power star, Andrew. I was like, Oh my God, Manuel died. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Uh, 
they talk about how he he had like a, the last battle dementia in the last four years. Uh, so, oh man, a shame. Eighty six he was. Funny, one of the funniest parts of Faulty Towers was him. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Sure. So, is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my God! I can't believe he died. It was so good. Yeah. Shame. Dude, I'm devastated. Yeah, you know. I understand. Believe me, it's it's uh, you know somewhere somebody should run a faulty tower in Arizona. They knocked that friggin' building down, like, I think a year ago. The actual hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I wonder wonder who left. I know Mrs. Faulty, she died years ago. Yeah. So Um, he's he's still around. I think uh, Polly is still alive. That that was actually his wife in real life for a while. Yeah. But I believe she's still alive. Dude, I, I I want to cry. Oh my god! If you people haven't seen that show, it really, truly is the funniest show ever. I can't understand how they only made one season of it. It's a British comedy, and it's called Faultly Towers, and it starred John Cleese. And there's only I think it's twelve or thirteen episodes. They're you know they're half hour, not even half hour. They're you know twenty something minute episodes. Do yourself a favor, and you should do it as soon as possible. Just sit down and watch them all, because you'll just pee. Your, you're going to laugh. You're going to pee yourself. Put on a pair of Depends, because you will pee yourself. It really, truly is the funniest show ever made. I got to share this link out. I'm. I'm. I, oh. Wow. Sad. Sad and sad. Um, hey, the uh, I don't know I don't, I don't know if you're caught up on Flash or everybody. Are, are you I am all caught up except for tonight's episode. Really? Oh my god! I'm not even close. <laughs> really? <laughs> remember? Remember when I said two weeks ago I was behind? Still behind. Now I'm two weeks more behind. <laughs> Oh, dude! Yeah. I'll tell you what, I uh, yeah. I, I binge watched Supergirl uh, this past weekend, so I'd be ready for Monday for the uh, the cross out over. Yeah. And yeah. um, dude, Supergirl is so so good this season, so friggin' good. I'll probably end up binge watching it. Sitting here like one day, I'll binge watch all of them. But uh, yeah, but from what I've heard. They were complaining a little bit that some of the, and I think I told you about it last week, they were complaining that some of the ratings for uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow aren't doing as well, blah, blah, blah. The, uh, for the crossover, these shows had the best ratings they've ever had, is what they're saying. So now I don't know how true that is compared to the premieres of like Flash and, you know, so forth. But 
yeah, the crossovers are getting a lot of attention. I'll tell you what, uh, it started slow on Supergirl Monday. The Flash episode, it might have been the best Flash episode ever. It really might have been. It was, it had every aspect of emotions in a one hour show. I mean, it went from sadness to anger to just complete distraught to funny. I mean, every emotion you can think of was covered in that episode. It was truly amazing. Yeah. You know, they, 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 uh, you know, people are complaining some of the things about Flash. I, I heard some, I haven't seen since honestly, I swear probably the second episode. So I really can't say uh, what they are, but the shows are always going to take an up and down. Oh, yeah. Now, it's been so, and dude, <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Mick, Heatwave, yeah. uh, me, me, uh, me and Nick were having this discussion the other day. He is truly the breakout star of this year. He he is just absolutely freaking hysterical. I, I, every every line he delivers is a punchline, and it's great. <laughs> He's truly the best part of that show now. Well, I will have to say eventually. See, now I know this is like, isn't this the break after this is like break, or they may have one or two more episodes for break. Uh, I think. Uh, you know what? I think... I think the only new episode next week we might get might be Flash. Because yeah. they oh. kept, they played a Flash promo Tuesday night and last night. So I think last night was the last episode of Arrow for the winner. Um, and it was episode 100 last night. Yeah. So let's see here. Oh. And you know, right now I'm, I, I gotta tell you, I'm recording a Charlie Brown Christmas. Just a second. Oh, is that on tonight? Yeah. That's funny. I, That's I was gonna I'm say. Gonna I'm gonna record it and watch it closer to Christmas time. Because <laughs> 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 I mean, I, any of these shows, like Rudolph and all that stuff, I think is on somewhere that tonight. Um. But yeah, it's like, like all these shows, they're showing them the first week of December. It's like, you know, the come on, man. Huh? Yeah, the first day of December. Like, man, come on. You know, you can show this stuff closer to Christmas. Right, right. But, like, what else? Do I know, actually, and here I'm looking now, uh, next week we'll have The Flash and Arrow and DC Legends. Yeah, so they're not going on hiatus yet. Oh, okay. I think uh, Supergirl is off next week. Yeah, Supergirl is off next week. And then... Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's off after that. So we get three new ones next week besides Supergirl, and I think that's it. Yeah, because that's all I have listed as coming scheduled. So yeah, it, it's it's so so good. Mm-hmm. Well, that way, you know, now I can uh, when they're off, 
lifestyle that I've been to watch all this. And I'll be able to do what it is. But I haven't really watched anything uh, as far as what I know in the team. I have so much with the eBay. It's all ending tonight. Some of it. So, and everything else. I'm trying to get everything around here cleaned up and uh, and then I'm going to wrestling, the wrestling school, three days a week. So, yeah. Wow. So how many how many uh, eBay going on? Huh? How uh, many eBay tonight? Is, tonight, I, over the last thirty days, I've had four hundred going at one time. Holy shit! Yeah. Now every I was down to two ninety, but I kept like putting stuff on too. Right. So yeah, I still have some of them that'll run after this, but made a lot of sales. But it was wasn't anything. A lot of goofy stuff that I sold this time. Dude, I I I sold um. Yeah, that's what I've been selling. Like weird, like plushes, like old yeah. plushes the girls had. Like, and I was just like, "You guys want them?" They're like, "No." They took out like the few they wanted, and mm-hmm. I, I I I listed like twenty plushes last weekend, and uh, yeah, I yeah. sold a few this week. I I like literally I'm a shit myself. I was like, "Oh my god, people actually want them." Yeah, dude, I. I... I sold, I'll tell you something, the weirdest thing I sold, I think. Um, the weirdest thing I sold this time was a Microsoft Windows 7 uh, install, like a reinstall USB. Okay. Yeah. And somebody bought that? Yep, for 10 bucks. <laughs> And I, and I had the and I had the quickest sale I ever had. Um, I had the Dean a bunch of the Dean Martin Variety Show DVDs. Oh yeah. And I put those on within an hour of it being on sold. Holy cow! Yeah. I'll tell you what. So here's I another weird. Real, um, real weird thing I sold. Uh, two copies of a program from the Florida Comic Con. You know what? I have some from here, and I, they've been sitting there, and I look at them, I'm like, I wonder if anybody would buy them. Put them on. I sold two of them together. They were like a regular cover and a variant cover of this of this program guide. And I put them on 10 bucks. They sold for Wow. Well, real quick, I'm going I'm to say this, and then we're going to take a commercial break because our, our guest is waiting. Um, yeah. Very good. I, oh, I went to my first actual real-life auction yesterday, so I want to tell you about that. Have you ever been to one? No, not a live. Not a, no, not a live. All right, so. I yeah. haven't been there a lot. I've been, I've been, like, on the phone with one, but I've never been to one live. Okay. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you about that quick experience later on. So, all right, everybody, yeah. stay tuned. We're going to be back in like three minutes. We're going to take a commercial break, and we're coming back with uh, 
a truly totally driven person, Miss Ashley Burgess. So stay tuned. Hi guys, this is Brandy Roderick and you are listening to Totally Driven Radio. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in Southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to TeddyScares.com. And be sure to become our friends at Facebook.com slash Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stories page on Facebook. Are you looking for a mortgage for that new home? Do you want to refinance to a lower rate, obtain cash out, or consolidation? If so, call Anthony Muscarella of Advisors Mortgage Group. Advisors Mortgage Group is a mortgage banker and loan our own money to First Lien Mortgage Loans. We have built a platform for a seamless and stress-free mortgage process, which remains our number one goal for all of our customers. We understand that success cannot be obtained without teamwork and communication, two of our most important strengths. If you're looking to apply for a loan or simply have some questions, please don't hesitate to give Anthony Muscarella a call at 732-749-3333, extension 12, who, by the way, has been recognized by Mortgage Executive Magazine as being one of the top 1% of originators in America. That number again, call Anthony Muscarella at 732-749-3333, extension 12, where we tailor our loans to meet your needs. Advisors Mortgage Group is an equal housing opportunity lender licensed by the New Jersey Department of Banking and Insurance. Branch NMLS number 173453. Loan Officer NMLS number 111400. Hi, this is Tony Dennison in Major Crimes, and you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. 
right, welcome back to Holy Dream Radio. So, uh, Janetti, are, are you ready for this? Uh, are you still saying don't throw to you? Because <laughs> I'm eating my food. I'm going to be on you. Oh, it's too funny. Now you know I'm purposely going to throw to you at some point. Oh, I'm going to be eating and I'm going to be on mute, so I don't want to. I, you're not going to hear anything. Okay. Tell you. Uh, oh, and, and real quick too, we we just heard Nick's voice uh-huh. uh, coming up in uh, what's, uh, in three weeks. Our last uh, episode for the year, our best of 2016 episode. Nick is going to uh, come uh, and hang out for the night and uh, help us pick our. Uh, our best of 2016 guest. Oh, awesome. Cool. So, all right. Well, here she is. It's that moment, the moment of truth, the moment of time, the totally driven time. Let's welcome the one, the only Miss Ashley Burgess. How are you doing, Ashley? Hey, I'm glad to be here. How are you doing, sweetheart? Y'all having a good night? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, where the accent, are you from Texas? Actually, I was originally born in Memphis, Tennessee, actually. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I, I was born there, but I, didn't, I wasn't really raised there. So I was New Orleans, Wisconsin, Ohio, Texas. So I don't really think I have an accent, but I think it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe I have that southern charm sound or something like that from the southern oh, state. Oh, yeah, tell me but, that. Yeah, so you maybe that's what that. it is. But. For me being yeah, a my mom from she's uh she's got a... A real, uh, a real Southern accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, me being a person up here in Philly, uh, I can definitely pick out the accent that you do have an accent. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to really have one, and it really comes out at certain times. You know, it just depends. So, so you I'm get sure. that. You get a little bit of that Texas draw, a little bit. No matter if you're from here originally, you only lived here for 15, 20 years. But yeah, so. It just becomes a force of habit. Yeah, where are you from originally? Uh, Philadelphia. Really? Okay. Yeah. You have an accent, yeah. too. I can hear it. Uh, a lot of people I say that. I have that Philly accent going on. And, and I'm really not even – there's time when, like, when I really start to get like aggravated and pissed off, it really comes out. I, and I hear it myself. Does it really? The, the real Philly Italian accent comes out. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> are you Italian, too? Are you Italian? Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, man. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so my family is a half and half. Or, I mean, I also got American Indian thing going on. So um, long story short, but my, my, my mother's father was 100% Cherokee. But okay. um, on my dad's side, my dad's mother and father met each other right after the war. They spoke two different languages. She spoke uh, Italian and he spoke French. Wow. So he said the sex must have been really good. But anyway, point being is they learned English together. But so she actually came up from Ellis Island, and uh, she came up, and she was from uh, uh, Sicily, Palermo. So, and then huh. my my dad's father was French, and that's where it comes. Burg- we call it Burgess, but it's Berger, but we say Burgess, you know. But he's from that region in uh, France. It's called Burgess, Berger, and so that's a pretty common name out there, apparently. But yeah, so that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. That's what. Can you imagine? I couldn't imagine. Being married to somebody and speaking two different languages, or even just being friends with somebody. Isn't that wild? And they didn't have phones. I mean, think about it. You go home and you're hanging out. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny, well, though? You're hanging out, you're making dinner and stuff, hanging out, doing stuff, and you're like, oh, 
you know, and you're like, well, I kind of know the language a little bit, but hey, I know the language of love, and I can make really good food. So she would make an antipasta dish, and she would make a French dish, and she would make an Italian dish, and they would eat. I mean, they they ate like the way I would love to eat, but I would be so big, you would have to probably build me a secondary house. But anyway, long story <laughs> short, they, they, they had the love thing and the food thing, and then eventually they learned English and really, you know, connected together. It's pretty a uh, pretty cute little story. It is. That's a, that's an amazing story. That's wild. It's wow. pretty cool. So yeah. you were like, you, you were like, I'm going to say like uh, the quote unquote totally driven person. You're like, uh, you're in this so much. And a person myself who also is like in this so much and trying to do so much, I, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you stay? It, it's funny too, because I was actually listening to the, one of your episodes. It was about being, staying focused and all. Like, how do you just stay on an even keel? Because I know there's, there's times like where I'm like going through like a breakdown and I just got to like tune myself out to everything and just shut down for like a day or two and just, Going Heidi. Man, I'd love to do that sometime. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to even dream about that right now. No, I'm, you know, it, honestly, it's kind of like you kind of got to. I, I don't know. This is how I do it. No matter what it's going through, no matter what I'm dealing with, even if I'm going through a midlife crisis or whatever have you, you kind of, you, you, I kind of just figure, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen. And I also think about the fear factor, and I know that fear is uh, is not kind. And the more I stay on the sidelines and I don't deal with it, I just get really I get really scared. And, and fear to me has never been my friend. Um, I, I'm kind of allergic to fear, and I don't know. It's just there's, that's something quantitative about it. I don't I don't understand really, but it sometimes it's hard to focus. I mean, for all your listeners out there, it's hard to stay focused on stuff when you got a lot of stress in your life. Sure. I mean, come on. I mean, anybody can sit there and say, refocus your crap and get your head back in the game, take it out of your butt, and let's go. You know, that's easy for people to say until they're in the middle of whatever life situation that you're in. But I I like to look at it from a different perspective. So I like to step back and just sit there and say, hey, is there another perspective to this problem that's not necessarily a problem? And then um, I do that like three or four times because the first two times I look at myself like I'm a moron. And then, like, the third or fourth time, I finally go, you know what? There is something to be learned here. There's something I need to deal with, or there's some other way around it. Um, And then it's just like, cool. It's like, okay, now I can see the forest through the trees. I might not always be happy about it, but I know that there's a way I can kind of circumvent against it and kind of go another direction. And that makes me happy because I don't always like to follow the rules. Hmm. Now, do you have, like – people helping you or or are you just like a a one-person wrecking crew taking this all on yourself (laughs) i don't know am i supposed to tell anybody that though because you know they might they might come after me no i i I, yeah i mean pretty much it's it's me i come up with all my own material every show comes out of my noodle um a lot of those shows come out of my noodle the minute i sit down to do the show um when I connect with clients, you know, I'm a therapist and a life coach. And when I connect with them, it's like I can sit down there just for 20, 30 minutes and I can connect with them and I know where they're coming from and I know why they have pain and I know why they have anger. I have a few people that help me on the sidelines, but they can't, they, they don't do the other stuff. Right. And, um, and, and I would love to have an army of people to help me out, but, you know, uh, eventually that will happen. But, you know, it's just, it's just you know, you got to create it. And for anybody else that's listening right now, 
you know, we have to start off. We got to, you know, pull ourselves up our bootstraps and we got to do what we got to do. And sometimes I'll, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I've been, you know, and I think a lot of people think that, you know, they're like, well, we pay our dues and we work our butts off. And some days you see some real milestones hit and you get really happy. And other days you kind of feel, well, what's happened recently? And other days you kind of go, huh. You know, I've been paying my dues for a long time or on the flip-flop. I've been doing this, and I'm trying to get to that next level. When is that going to happen? But I think in those situations, and I think that's what you're alluding to, is that in those situations, you kind of got to step back and say, okay, well, yeah, you might have to take a day off. But when you get back into the game, you say, well, what else am I going to do? Because if I'm on purpose and I'm doing what my purpose is about, then this is just a roadblock that's only going to be there for a certain amount of time. Right. And I got to find a way around it because I know a way around it. Now let's just find that way around it. Yeah, that's and that's a, like a huge, huge question is finding your way around it. Yeah, and then you have to tap into yourself. Well, what is the problem? What's the crises? But better yet, is there something I can learn? Um, and I think there's something we can learn from everything. There's certain things we can learn about ourselves. There's certain things we can learn about other people. We can learn about situations that we put ourselves in. But, you know, when it goes down to the main caveat, what is the caveat? The caveat is, unfortunately, what? Um, most of us don't give ourselves the same respect we give other people. And we we don't give ourselves that same love and stuff. And so, unfortunately, that's where we're coming from. If we looked at ourselves from a different perspective and said, man, I'm good stuff. Now let's figure out how I get over this. Do you think that's one of the hardest things for a person to do is truly love themselves? <laughs> it's the hardest thing anybody does on the planet. It's the reason why we're here. You know, I mean, that's the whole basis for our life is to figure that out. And once we figure that out, and then we have to keep, we have to figure it out. But once we figure it out, a lot of us, we're not going to do it. I mean, right. a lot of us are like, this is just a crock of crap. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is just a bunch of hogwash from some positivity guru that has no idea about life. And, and and then when you finally step back and you go, wait a second, wait a second, maybe there is something to it. And you go, but but why should I love myself? Because that seems so egotistical. You know, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people find that very egotistical and narcissistic. Like, I'm not supposed to love myself, so I'm supposed to love everybody else and be altruistic. But if I love myself, that means that I'm an egotistical maniac. And right. yes, there are some people out there that are complete egotistical maniacs, but that's not what I'm prescribing. I mean, it's really like being able to sit back and say, looking in the mirror and going, I don't care if I'm 50 pounds overweight. I don't care if I have acne. I don't care that I don't have a second doctorate or whatever the heck that looks like physically, mentally, emotionally. I love me. And, and then you have to sit there and, and follow the, the, the words with the action and it takes a lifetime. This isn't like you do it one day and you go, okay, yeah, I love myself. This is awesome. Okay, now to the next thing, you know, let's take a cruise to the Bahamas. <laughs> no, this is a, every single second of the day because this is the one thing that we keep downplaying is, you know, we're a pretty big being here in a in a human body. And it's like, you know, we've got to get over the fact that eventually, no matter what we've been told in our past or what we believe – or what people have told us negatively about ourselves or a disease or whatever has gotten to us, we have to pull ourselves out of that and say, hey, I'm pretty amazing. But it takes a lot of work. And and it, and it really is the, the hardest thing I think, honestly, anybody can do in an entire lifetime. 
I, I know it's extremely hard for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was hard for me. I mean, it's it was probably hard for the for you know for Gandhi for God's sakes. You know, I mean, th- this isn't stuff that like Deepak Chopra and everything. You know, I think a lot of times people don't think about this stuff. They don't they don't realize that yes, there's we have a duality. We, we feel like it's um, hypocritical to feel this way, or we're not supposed to love ourselves, or whatever that looks like because it's narcissistic and it sounds like a jerk. But then on the right. flip side, it's not anything like that at all. It's about literally loving yourself. And, you know, you can be in complete tears and be like, man, I'm, I am amazing, even though I might have these faults on this earthly plane, but I love them. But it just takes so long to get there. But when you get there, then you got to work at it. Then it's like you have homework every day, you know? <laughs> you know, that's, see, that's the hard part now. Once, it, it's kind of like I'm going to relate it to, like, weight loss. Like, once you get to your goal weight, like, that's the easy part. The hard part is maintaining it. So getting to your goal weight, yeah, and then keeping it, you mean, maintaining it? Yes, that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sucks. It sucks yeah. because you actually get to, you get there and you go, oh, my God, I got here, I got here, I got here. What's the first thing? Let's go out and get some champagne. <laughs> Let's go out <laughs> and do something. You know, the next thing you know, in one week you go, oh, crap. I mean, I'm five pounds. How did this happen? So you go back on that whole back and forth, back and forth, the yin-yang, the yo-yoing of the weight and stuff like that. But you're right. It's like it's very much like that, and it's even harder than that because you can kind of get addicted to that weight thing. You kind of got – you can't really get addicted to loving yourself because that becomes a narcissistic viewpoint. But it's like you right. got to do it altruistically all the time. And And the best way to do it is to realize to begin to look at other people and say – how do I treat other people when I love them and I care about them? Then why can't I do that for me? That's true. That's true. I mean, how many times do we tell our friends how much we love them and we care about them and we do stuff for them that we wouldn't even do for ourselves? Yeah. Drive across town to bring somebody soup because they're sick. When was the last time you made yourself a meal when you were sick? Yeah, right. Instead of just taking <laughs> Sudafed and going to bed and drinking some uh, Johnny Walker and going, okay. <laughs> I'm cured, you know what I mean. But you you went to the store and you got food and you brought it over to a friend. And you, you know you were there for them and you could have gotten the flu while you were there, but you didn't care. So why don't we do that for us? That is a good question. I don't know. I'm like thinking about that myself. <laughs> no, I'm like wow. Like all right, that's pretty deep. That's very deep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good deep. It's a it's a it's a good deep. I'm trying to think about what soup they're gonna bring over now. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, no, no, like you're you have like all these like uh, uh, we'll say titles on your resume. I mean, you're a psychologist, you're a keynote speaker, an author, life coach, talk show host. Like, which I guess psychologist came first and you just started expanding out to different horizons or how did this all happen? Yeah. You know, it, it really kind of, it's interesting how life goes, you know, um, all this started as a kid, you know, and it, it all started as a child and, and um, I had to figure out a bunch of stuff. And so I had to figure out a bunch of stuff and nobody could help me figure it out. And, and I went to people to try to help me figure it out. They could figure it out. And uh, it got to the point where nobody could help me. They just gave me more questions, no answers. And then I had to figure out how to find those answers. 
And then um, a lot of your life when you go through a lot of questions and you go through a lot of pain, you go through a lot of agony, you go through a lot of stuff. And I think a lot of people that might be listening to your show right now that are going through, you know, whatever that is, maybe it's cancer or, um, you know, or whatever that might look like to some people, it makes you question everything about you. And especially right. if they don't even know what the diagnosis is. And so that's what I went through as a kid. And I, I had a condition that nobody understood. It wasn't diagnosed till my mid-20s. And, and I was in and out of the hospital. Experimental surgeries performed on me. almost died on the table a couple times. And uh, this is real. This is, this is a person's painful life. And, uh, you know, and I finally realized, I was like, you know, I'm not taking crap from nobody anymore. But I also realized I'm not – I'm going to know I want the answers, and I'm going to figure those out. And so, yeah, so that started the first. That predicated. Then I kind of ranged that out to the life coach because, you know, the cool thing is that I can help people with depression and anxiety and the loss of a spouse or whatever that looks like, that geography. I can help somebody get down to their anger issues and figure out why that happens. But even on the flip side, I could take somebody out of that, bring them to a level. Most people are they're pretty okay. But they might have a little depression here and there. They might be lost or they don't know their next direction or they don't know really why they're here or they don't know how to love themselves. And that's one of the things I really like to work with people because we can take them to that next plateau. Right. And that's what I really love to do because you get to see people really shine. And they always knew there was something more. But there was nobody to ever explain to them what that more was or to even show them how to find that more. And when you have somebody that can illuminate the more and they've been through it and they've done it and they've, they've done the crap work and they've, they pulled themselves up from their bootstraps. And I pulled myself up from the basement to the rooftop deck and I went back to the basement a couple of times to hang out, <laughs> came back up. But the thing is that I figured out how to do it and I can help people do it. You have a lot of folks that are textbook and I totally appreciate that. And I do both. But I think if you can, if you can adapt textbook to, personal life understanding you can get to people where they're at and you can bring them up and they can co-bring themselves up in a much rapid much faster rate Hmm. now what's it like for you like when you see that like the light bulb go off on that person and they start to realize things do you almost feel like a like a, a proud parent oh yeah yeah, I'm 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 like the peacock, you know. I'm like, I'm I'm like the best friend, you know, that's over there sitting there going, "Man, you got it." And and it's an awesome feeling. I had a client one time, and I'll share this. Uh, I don't want to ramble on and on. I don't, you know, this is your show, you know, and I appreciate you having me on. I had a client come in, and she looked at me the first time she came in my office, and she said, "Hey." I'm not taking crap from anybody. I haven't taken a shower in about six days. I don't really care what you think. I'm completely depressed. You know, I lost my dad. I lost this and this. And I, I'm really not happy, and I don't really know if I'm going to be around. I don't know what I want to do. And I remember I took her from that to literally about three months later, she knocked on the uh, – she came in the front, came through the front door. And when I came out of the back office, she had a suit on, like a nice woman, you know, like a skirt, a shirt. She had like makeup on, her hair done. It wasn't just that. After three, after three months of work, she was so clear-headed, and she she had realized so much stuff. She because she reintroduced herself to me, like I don't know who she is, but I thought that was sweet because she's like, now I'm at this level. Can we work on that? And it's amazing when you take somebody from being at literally 
thinking about suicide. Sure. To, you know, hey, I'm way better than that, and and she's glowing. And when you see people glow, men, women, children, when they're glowing, you just, man, you – it's it's a good feeling, you know. I mean, I almost start to cry. I got to keep it together, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep it together. You're like, oh god, you know, I can't cry here. I got to keep it together. But I will show emotion with clients because I disagree with the fact that some therapists don't show emotion. And I think to some degree it's good. I think you need to connect with your clients. And I say, if you can't connect, maybe they have an emotional issue, you know. And and I, and I kind of feel that about therapists is that I think that they should connect more with their clients to some degree because I think it makes their client realize, hey, they're in it with me too. Right. Now, you've seen, the, or I've seen, uh, I don't know if you've watched like uh, Sopranos and shows like that where uh, the therapist is seeing a therapist. So do you do that too to like get your stuff out? Oh, I saw, I saw, um, I actually saw a therapist for about three years. I haven't been to a therapist in about a year and a half, but I got to the point that we were working on some comical things. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, you know, I think I have an issue with this. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think a good therapist has done really major psychotherapy on their self. Because if they haven't, what's the caveat? Right? The caveat is that if they haven't done it, then when a client comes in, what happens? They might put their own issues on the client's issues, and then the client starts to be a little foggy on why they're there. You know right. what I'm saying? So, like, if somebody doesn't have the ability to meet the right man or the right woman, and if the therapist has had problems with marriage or meeting somebody, they could put their own stigma or perception on that, and it clouds the judgment of the client. And so <laughs> – Good psychotherapy for a client, for a therapist, is important because you need to work with all your stuff, get all your demons out, right? What they say, demons, get your demons out, get your stuff out, and then you're able to listen in a clean slate to somebody else talk and go, "I'm not going to judge them, and I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to listen exactly what they're saying. I'm going to take in their their mannerisms. I'm going to take in exactly what they're telling me, their past or anything, and I'm going to figure this out, and I'm going to come up with the right stuff. But I'm also going to ask them the questions so they can come up." And they can understand why they've chosen that path, not why I think they've chosen that path, you know, based on my own problems. And, right. and you do see that often. I have clients that come in my office and they said, hey, I was going to a psychotherapist for 10 years. I'm like, for 10 years? Why? <laughs> and you're coming to me now? <laughs> I'm like, why, why 10 years? I mean, why do you spend 10 years? I mean, I don't go to the store and buy the same product that doesn't work for 10 years. I mean, after a while, I'm going to sit there and wonder, hey, what's, you know, what's, what's the right thing? And if this product's not working for me, then i got to pick up another product. But that's when they normally come to me, and then that's when after three or four months, they're like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, 10 years, man. I wish I would have kept it for 10 years, but I just can't do that in my own heart. <laughs> I can't do that. I, gotta, I got morals and stuff, you know. So it is what it is. Now, I've yeah. been going to see therapist for, Christ, six years now. Okay. But I'm on my you, third therapist, third one in six how years. Often do, how often do you, you go in? Once a week. And, I mean, do you do you all talk about all different – but see, if you're, how long have you been going to the same one, this last one? Uh, it might be about three years now. 
that's, that's okay. That's okay timing. You know what I mean? Three years not bad. I mean, it's just when people make it, um, and sometimes people need that. I mean, sometimes people need to talk to somebody. You know, they need to talk to somebody when it's been more than four or five years and they need to talk to somebody. I just want those people I like to deal with the deep issues and get them done and then continue to move on. As far as coaching, coaching clients and stuff like that, I think that's kind of where you're probably at is you're just like doing maintenance. And maintenance is, that's cool. You know, maintenance is cool. But I do feel that that if you're not getting a breakthrough, an honest breakthrough, and that's what I, I, I kind of have an ego when it comes to that. If you're not getting an honest breakthrough every session, you might not feel it right in the session, but when you get home or when you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and you feel it and you go, oh, my God. If you're not getting that one, at least every other session, then you might want to think about it. I'll tell you what. you need I walk, to be having a good breakthrough. I walk out of there every week, and I just feel so good. I really do. Perfect. Well, then you got you got a great therapist, and that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's I, what I mean, life's I'm, about. If you can find somebody that's good like that, then you, you keep on with them. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, now that's awesome. How, how uh, like how many clients do you see? I mean, do you have a lot? There. Are... I only see clients. I only see clients two days a week, um, okay. because I'm on the radio uh, seven days a week, and then uh, we got the new TV show launching here in a few weeks, and um, so we got the radio shows. Live your true life perspectives, and live your true life perspectives is on. Um, Sunday through Sunday, um, two hours during Monday through Friday, and then just an hour, two hours on Saturday, one hour on Sunday. But uh, and then I like to see folks. I see one day of of therapy and one day of coaching. But then see a lot of that Skype though too, because I'm I'm not just I I like to work with people all across the country and actually a couple people in the world. So I was wondering. Uh, I do a lot of Skype. Yeah. Now, how how does that is? Do you think um, you still get the full effect being on video with each other compared to being live in person, like in the same room? It's a kind of funny. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's kind of funny because at first I used to think that it was kind of a joke. I was like, okay, so I'm going to watch this person on Skype, and we're going to have a real therapy session. And uh, the first therapy session, I was like, okay, okay. Well, I was like, whoa, this is really kind of intense. And quite honestly, it's it's pretty intense, even like it is in person, because you're face to face, you know, the yeah. whole time. And you can see when somebody looks down, you can see when somebody looks to the left, right, up or down. Um, you can see when somebody starts to cry. You can see when somebody is holding back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I actually even do phone calls, too. But I only limit that to certain clients that I've worked with for a certain period of time because I need to see them a little bit more to work with them as a phone call client because you have to really get to understand who they are so that you know the triggers and you know what's going through their mind more. Because when you're dealing with a brand new client, I get a little hesitant about doing a phone conversation only. Gotcha. Because you just never know. You don't want to. You don't want to lead anybody down the primrose path, and you want to make sure you give them the right uh, assessment. You know. Wow. So now you're on the air seven days a week. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's good. I mean, we're getting it. We're getting it out there. I mean, on what twenty five stations now. 
and um moving forward it's it's work though you know i'm doing i'm doing my own solo syndication here so this is like uh the grassroots effort you know but uh it's 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 good you know getting the message out there and and um people really resonate with it you know i i did a show recently on borderline personality disorder and um man that really was uh, off the charts but um yeah, I had an email today from my website. So I contacted me, a gentleman, and he said, you know, what you said in that whole in that whole show resonated with every single point that I'm dealing with wow. my girlfriend. What do I do? And uh, interesting. I mean, people are really listening to the shows, but because I, I think it's hard. You, know, you want to get the message out and you want to help people um, at least understand how to find their true self and their calling and their purpose, but also how to deal with the problems in life. I mean, you know, we don't we don't have to always deal with the lofty ideas. We need to get past through the minutia first, you know, to really get into that so we can let go of the stuff that's holding us back. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I know myself. I hold back so much. I really do. And it's sometimes it's just so tough just to let go. It It is. It's life. We're human. I mean, Think about all the stuff that's all coming at us at one time, and all the people, and the energies, and the, and the, uh, and the personalities, and trying to fit in. You know, I mean, ever since we were a kid, we always wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, ever since we were a kid, we wanted everybody to like us. You know, I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember being on the bicycle, you know, and my mom and my dad be out there out in front of the house, and and you know, then you you got on the bicycle and you come back up the other path, you know, coming back down the street going past the parents again and you pull your hands off the, you know, the handlebars and you go, look, you know, and they're, they got their backs turned to you and they're talking to some neighbor or pulling some weed, you know, out of the, out of the garden or whatever. And you're like, you gotta be kidding me. I almost fell. I could have broken my neck doing that, you know, but it was because we were trying to like, we're trying to show off. We're trying to get people to like us, be impressed people. So you have that whole quandary that we deal with in life and then trying to find people around us that bring the right energy. Right. You know, that we can actually be around and, and that love us for us instead of what we have or don't love us for us what we don't have or whatever that looks like, you know? Yeah. Do you have a dog? <laughs> What's that? Do you have a dog? I have two. What kind? I have a Lasso Opso and a Bulldog. Very cool. I have Bosco the Bulldog and Ozzy the Lasso Opso. That's cool. I love I love dogs. I was just asking. So my dog, uh, I, I came home for the interview. My dog was uh, jumped up right next to me and just started licking my face. And <laughs> I was talking to you. <laughs> I was so like, kind of oh, dog hello. You um, I actually have one miniature bull terrier and one full-size bull terrier. Oh, nice. Like nice. the target dog. Target like, dog. Uh, yeah, all the kids are like, Mommy, Mommy, it's the Target dog, Mommy. And then, like, everybody else is like, Dude, that's the Budweiser dog. <laughs> 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 Remember Spud McKenzie? Of course. Spud? Yeah. yeah. I got I got two Spuds. You know, uh, they're crazy. And they do like beer, by the way. You got to keep them away from it. Little Rascal, right? What was the dog's name? Was it yeah, Pete? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. And then the Patton dog. So, so some of my friends that you know back in the day, they're like, "That's the Patton dog." 
And uh, so it's interesting. And then you got some people that, you know, from Friday, they're like, that's Chico. So you got that whole, you know, that whole dynamic. I mean, we cross all all races, creeds, everything, you know. <laughs> Equal opportunity dogs right here. Yeah, that's there exactly you go. What that is. <laughs> uh, now, with your radio show, like doing, uh, you know, seven days a week, like, how do you keep coming up with topics to, to talk about? I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> I'm going to keep praying about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, it, some, you know, there are days that I literally walk in there and I go, Oh my God. Oh my God. What am I talk about? You know? Uh, and then there's other days that I'm, I'm, I'm up and going and I'm revved up about it, you know, but I don't, it, it's just, it's given. It's just like, I look, I mean, honestly, I have to, I have to give that to God because otherwise I don't, I'm a human, you know, I don't know. I mean, how do you get all that informational downloads? I don't know, but it comes, you know, and it's, I think I'm on, I'm really backlogged on uploading the stuff to my website. So I apologize to everybody and anybody that even listens to my show, but I think, you know, we have about 400, you know, that have aired recently. And, you know, every day that I wake up, I go, will I come up with the next one? Will I come up with 600? Will there be a thousand? How will this all look? I just take it day by day. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and but you know, think about it. You get all kinds of topics, and I have to go work with all the topics that you think about. You know, in your head, because a daily basis you can get topics. Like, like uh, I came up with one today that I'm going to be doing uh, tomorrow. And uh, I was sitting there with my dogs, right? And that one of them was a younger dog. She's a puppy, kind of. And the other dog is upset because he's a six-year-old dog. And he's like, what the heck? Why did you bring her here? So we're dealing with the whole connection with the two dogs and bringing them together. And I remember I was sitting there holding her for a second. This was early this morning. I was holding her and I was like, God, I wish you'd just grow up faster. Then this would all be (laughs) over and she'll be an adult, you know, and there won't be any of this crap. And I can move on with my life, you know. And then I went, wait a second, that's messed up. And I go, but... When is the next time I'm gonna get to see a puppy grow up? And then I was like, Oh man, I'm supposed to be grateful for this stuff. And then I sat back and I'm holding her. She's real quiet, which is funny because I guess you heard like the wheels of my 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 brain with the gerbil with the wheel going. And um, yeah, and then just like I realized when we're in the middle of stuff, we created it, right? So we started it. So when people get married or they have a child or they get a puppy or whatever that looks like, right? And then and then they go, oh, my God, this this sucks. You know, there's part of it that they love, and there's part of it that they're just like, why did I do this to myself, you know? And then you get into this whole formulation of what's the next step, and then I was like, oh, my God, we're supposed to be grateful. So how do we become grateful on a daily basis even when we're dealing with crap? So that's what I'm going to yeah. do a show on tomorrow, you know, how not to miss yeah. the awesome times, you know, that kind of thing. And still keep and, your sanity. You know, <laughs> that that's a, uh, <laughs> right there. That's a show in itself. How to keep your sanity. That's that that's that's the main liner right there. Is how to keep your sanity. <laughs> now with true. your show, it's is hard. It, mostly, it is hard, absolutely. But it, it, yeah. is your show now? I I got to, I listened to two episodes. I listened to one of the ones it was about uh, you know, focusing yourself in life and all, and the other one I listened to was with Ed Asner, with which everything about Ed just revolved around sex. It seemed like uh, everything that motivated him in life, <laughs> sex, which kind of frightened me. It's hilarious. Oh my god! Uh, so backstory on that show, I called him and uh, he answered his little his cell phone. You know, I was like, hey, I was like, is this Ed? And he goes, 
Yes. He goes, is this Ashley? I was like, yeah. He goes, okay, Ashley. He goes, you know what? I saved the day. And I said, okay, Ed, what did you do today? And he he goes, I saved the effing day. (laughs) I said, well, what happened today that you saved? And he said, the dog tried to take a crap on the floor. And I got him outside before he did it. So I saved the day. So what are we going to talk about on your show? (laughs) That was the beginning of the show. That was before we ever started, and it's so funny. So he, very funny guy. Very, he was trying to mess with me about the whole Oedipus complex, and I think he was really going after the psychologist profile of what he was about. Um, And he was having a lot of fun doing it. Um, And he, he's, he's a funny. He was really going after. He was, he was. He was uh, he was funny. He was he was trying to get the psychologist goat, you know, like go after you, you know. And I remember there was one point he's like, I'm, I know that I'm getting the psychologist right now. I know it, you know. If I say it's all about sex, then you know there's something behind it. But yeah, he he was a he was a funny guy. He's uh he's pretty cool. So interesting, fun interview, you know. I mean, how many times you come across that and. He actually sang a full song in that, in that show. He kept saying, he kept telling me he's not going to sing. I said, what's your favorite song we talked about? Because music really connects with our minds. It connects with our spirit, you know, and it can make us feel a certain way, happy or sad. It can bring up those amazing memories, or it can really tear us down. Um, yeah. And um, it can make us sad, or it can make us real happy or elated, or it can make us get work. You know, we can get in the gym and start working out, you know, put those little tights on and go crazy. But I asked him what his favorite song was, and – um, yeah, and he was like, Touch, you ain't going to get me a thing. <laughs> well, if you, if, when you listen to the interview, you know that I sang that whole song. You know, wow. and, and that's what connects people. You know, it's like he, he did it because he thought he needed, he wanted to do that. And, and that's why I love interviewing certain celebrities because it's not about that, you know, that tongue in cheek that, oh, what was your last film and how much did it gross right. and, you know, what did you wear on the red carpet? It, it's more heavy hitting stuff that, in the celebrity perspective that's coming out for TV, that's that's very heavy hitting. You know, it's like we got like you know, Greg Luganis, um, you know, talking about everything from his journey from AIDS to to, to uh, you know his his you know re, basically his his career has just skyrocketed. Sure. But we talk about deep hard hitting. We talk even about DWIs. We talk about everything. Wow. Um, and it's stuff that you don't hear, you know, because, you know, everybody's human. And I think mm-hmm. that when people start realizing the, the people they look up to, it might be a professional athlete or a film star or a TV star or whatever that looks like a model. And they go, oh, my God, this person's normal. They don't have friends or their life is a shambles or their parents are crazy or, you know, they, they're a recovering alcoholic or you know, whatever that looks like. People go, man, okay, I look up to them and how are they handling it? And what did they go through? What were the trials and tribulations? And that was, that's what the show is really about. Now, where will we be able to see that? Well, we're already, we've already been having discussions with Amazon and with some folks with Amazon and Hulu, and that looks like a good, a good direction. Um, they, they like the show. I'd like to meet with – we're, uh, we're going to meet with Lifetime here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then I also like to meet with the OWN Network too. So I just – I basically want to put this content out there because it's some really – hard-hitting content that the more the merrier see it, uh, the right. better it'll be. Because it's, it's not just about keeping it in a little small little nugget 
Um, you know, unless the deal's right, but <laughs> but I, I think that people really need to see it. You know, they go, oh, this is this is cool stuff because it's really it's really good content. It's evergreen and it's stuff that people go, man, yeah, that either like really like put a light into my life, or you know, maybe that put a light into what's going on with my friend, or maybe that just made me feel a lot better, or maybe I'm now I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, I understand this or. I didn't know that person even dealt with that. And so the cool thing in the show is that we actually switched the chairs and they actually asked me questions about their personal life. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, kind of different. Right. Have yeah. you ever done TV? Um, yeah, well, I've been on TV, I'd say probably about 60, 70 times, but that was just like on news and stuff. I was on a show called the big rich Texas. I was on a, I think it was on not Bravo, but, um, uh, was it the E Network? Anyway, uh, was on um, a show called Big Rich Texas. I was actually the therapist to one of the uh, girls on the show, and uh, yeah, so it's just I like TV because it's just what I do on radio. But like, people get to see me, and they get to see my expression, and they get to see kind of who I really am. Um, and I think that's an even better um, composition. You know. <laughs> You got to, yeah, I got to see this because the, the, what I'm like getting off of you is you're kind of like a, a, a no BS type of person. And I can just imagine like some of the people like saying the, the, the goofiest things to you and just being like, get your shit together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, what's happening to you, man? You, you know, you're right. It's, it's cool. It's, you know, what's so funny about it is like when I connect with folks, I connect with them. And it really takes down that barrier. And that's the thing is that when they, they – there was a Getty was in there shooting, and there were some folks in there, and they were just like, holy hand grenade, Superman. And you could tell that these people they, – they, that's not a normal interview for them. Right. But, you know, the neatest thing about every one of those people is they were like, man, I really – I really get you. I really understand you, and um, I like you, you know? And I'm like, well, I like you too, you know? And I was like, you know, we're – because I think a lot of times – people have that they, they think there's something, you know, that's like the celebrity thing. And and then the other times, a lot of people that are interviewing, they, they don't, the whole thing is it comes down to respecting yourself and loving yourself genuinely. And when you do, people know it because they feel it. And when right. they feel that, it changes the whole dynamic and you can't fake it. So that's the one good thing that's going on is that I'm like, you know, somebody could come up with a concept, but you know what? It's already been done. We have it in the can. We're putting it out. But the thing is, is like, you can't fake that, though. And that's, what's, and that's what I think that this whole world is waiting for, is good content that people can't fake. And getting away from sure. fake content and fake news and fake, 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 you know, and, and <laughs> giving something to people like, like your show, right? People can tune into your show and they hear real. And they don't get that other places. And that's the key, and that's what we're going for. And from A to B, and the cool things that people will know, and that's why they listen to your show because they like it because they like what you have to say because they buy into it because it's real. Right. Wow. Look at that. I'm starting to love myself now. See? <laughs> See? Just <laughs> hang out with me for a couple of follow-ups, and we'll be good. <laughs> there you go. Uh... Remember that? I'm not only the president, but I'm also a client. There you go. <laughs> you, you actually you I sound love like that commercial. 
would be funny to hang out with and drink a few beers with. Oh, I'll, I'll, you'll have a blast. We'll hang out. We'll have a good time. I don't drink beer, but man, I can have fun, and we will <laughs> hang out. Yeah, I, I'm. I just I like. I love life. You know, it's like sometimes I do get down. You know, like everybody else, and sometimes I sit there and I go, "Well, man, is this depression? <laughs> you know, uh, or is this a midlife crisis?" But um, you know, you go through the process, and everybody's human, and this is a human condition to deal with. But then you have to look at life, and you kind of have to pull yourself up, and you go, "Well, crap." You know, I can either go through this miserable, or I can go through this with a smile on my face. And uh, I sometimes go through intervals of that whole feeling within the first, within one hour of each other. (laughs) (laughs) But I know what I need to do, you know, and and as I longer, as I keep practicing what I need to do, it gets easier. It gets easier. And uh, I look at the mirror a lot, and I smile in the mirror, and in my book, with a 10-day challenge to live your true life, I talk about that. You know, one of the things is you you got to really you got to look at it. You got to buy into it. You got to look at it and believe it and do it. And you can't look in a mirror and smile and really honestly smile and look directly in a mirror, look into your eyes. You can't do that for more than 10 minutes without being happy, without coming to some sort of resolution that you're going to move on and you're going to get through this. It's 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 almost impossible. I don't know anybody that hasn't been able to do it. So, I don't know. I know that sounds simple, but it works. Huh. I mean, I seriously, think about it. Walking in the bath, walk in the bathroom, turn the light on, right? Look in the mirror and look at okay. it. And you, get, you know, you get a frown on and stuff and turn it up and really, really smile and look right in the mirror and look into your eyes and really look in there and be like, man, I mean, because it's like a marvel. I mean, we're all marvels. We're like medical marvels, right? We're here. We're human. We're in this body that we've rented, you know, and look into your eyes of the soul and really think about what's going on. Yeah. I, I first off, I never even thought of that. We, yeah, I'm, I'm leasing this body. Can, can can I trade mine in for a new one, please? <laughs> That's why I never got any tattoos because I never made an agreement coming in that I could have any. Uh, oh well. You know what I mean? I mean, tattoos are cool, but you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying. But you know, I never made an agreement, so I didn't get any. Cause I was, and I never fell in love with anything for a long time, so I knew that better not to. You know, it's like buying that green car one day and going, oh shit, you know. Then they got the green car. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you have any tattoos? Do you have tattoos? Uh, yeah, I do. I have uh, eight, nine, something like that. Well, what are they? What I mean, is it the same genre, or is it different types of things no. that remind you of things? Or it's, uh, I have well, my all-time favorite car is a Corvette, and I've had a few of them. And I have the Corvette flags. I got that tattooed hmm. like 20 years ago. Um, That's I have, cool. Uh, I like Corvettes. There you go. See? And I have uh, two hearts with the arrow going through it for mom and dad. Oh, uh, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. I used to be a professional wrestler. And the first, uh, my first uh, gimmick or, uh, you know, my wrestling alter ego was a biker gimmick, and uh, my name was Easy Rider, and I, it was a long time ago. It was 25 years ago. And I got cool. a tattoo of a skeleton on a motorcycle ripping out of my arm, and I look at it and go, yeah, I was a kid then. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I mean, yeah, that's cool, though. It's part of your past. Yeah, yeah. 
I just got, as a matter of fact, the last few months on the back of one leg, uh, I got my favorite guitar player's uh, guitar, and uh, he, he died in a plane crash years ago, and I got wings coming out of it. And another person who is one of my uh, idols is Evil Knievel, and I got uh, Evil Knievel's helmet tattooed on the back of my other leg with wings coming out of it. That's cool. Well, I mean, my thing is I never found anything that I really wanted. You know, I look, I mean, like I had friends that would get like doves or like the dancing bears from Grateful Dead or whatever that looked like. And I'd be like, cool. And they'd be like, well, what would you get? I was like, I just, I never really fell in love with anything. I mean, I think if I did, maybe I, I would totally probably get something, but I just never could come to terms with what I want. And I never wanted to do that Chinese lettering because I always knew that it would never say what you think it said. You know what? I got that one of them too. <laughs> you do? I do, yes. Are you serious? Yes. No. I, I was, what did yeah, it say? I was, I was 18, and it was my second tattoo, and I went, it took my buddy to get his first one, and I only had 25 hours, and that's all I was able to get was a Chinese symbol. And supposedly it says <laughs> hard and strong, but uh, okay. I think it say you're a jackass. You never know. <laughs> you know what? I got a bunch of Chinese friends. You need. You got to send me a picture of that. Just email it to me, and you got to. And I got. I will find out for you exactly what that says because you know I. I I've. I've heard, I've heard. You know, sometimes you get the right one, and then sometimes you don't. I. Uh, there's a friend of mine here. That uh, he was in that movie. Remember the Alamo? Remember that movie? The, yeah. the Alamo movie. Mm-hmm. Um, with Billy Bob Thornton, and he was in that film, and they all got tattoos, and it said "Remember the Alamo" on their arm. And uh, yeah, the guy misspelled his, and it said "Remember." <laughs> oh, he got "Remember." <laughs> it's like and that commercial, no, no regrets, <laughs> instead of <I> no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> no regrets. You're like, uh. Yeah. No, but I mean, I have never fallen in love with anyone long enough to get it. I mean, if I did, I have some friends that have like the little, you know, the dog paws for their dogs and then the kiddos. And I got one of my friends that has her, the names of her kids uh, on her, one on each wrist, which is cool. Um, but I just never fell in love with anything to get it. So there's, there's nothing you, never that you, you from all growing up, up until now, you still love. You know, I just never wanted to label. I don't know. I I kind of feel like time is all congruent and it all kind of moves together. But yeah, I never. I don't know. I just I just never feel compelled. I mean, I I was one of those kids that didn't want to get my ears pierced. You know, as a kid, when I was a young kid, my mom would be like, "Can you get your ears pierced like all the other girls?" You know, and I was like, "No, I don't. I don't really want to." And and finally, I was kind of like forced into it. <laughs> Um, you know, at like 16, because I was like way late on the totem pole on the, uh, you know, piercing of the ears thing, you know. Um, and so I, I had, had my ears pierced and I was, didn't like it. I, I did mine before pierced? you. The, I, you I haven't like? worn it in a long time, but yeah, I mean, they were, I had both of them pierced by, I was, the time I was 15. <laughs> and my mother did You them. did? Yeah. Your mom did them? Yeah. Oh, man. Were they, yeah. are they, I mean, like, did it hurt? She got an actual, just got a pin, heated it up on the stove, and held my earlobe and pushed it through. Well, you have, like, a progressive mom. I mean, like, that's, like, my mom would, I don't, I mean, like, my mom, 
she pushed me on the 16 thing, but I mean, I went to like Claire. You remember that place called Claire's in the mall? Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that's where I got mine done at. Claire's. And then like some plastic earrings you stick in there. <laughs> but oh. it's fun. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's cool, though. Yeah, I, I wear earrings now. I mean, I still wear earrings. You know, but, you know, I got over the whole tomboy thing and all that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, I just never, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, you know what, and who knows? I still got a long lifetime, so. I'm like, tomorrow I might wake up and go, oh, my God, I'm going to get this. <laughs> yeah, uh, why not, right? Why not? I want to yeah. see some of your wrestling stuff, too, at some point. You're going to have to share some of that with me. Ah, uh, yeah, the good old days. That's cool. That's really cool. I never wrestled, so, you know, I can live vicariously through you. Uh, yeah, it was many years ago, so <laughs> I don't be doing it no more. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't want to go through that bodily injury and pain anymore. No, it no. seems pretty, 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 and pretty tough. I mean, from what I've seen on TV, I mean, it looks pretty, pretty rough, actually. To be quite honest with you, I, I haven't been in a ring in 15 years. And put it this way, last week I literally had to go to the hospital because my back is just screwed up because of all that. Hmm. Oh yeah. So you basically yep. contributed all to that. That's that's see that it's so excruciating. I mean, I see people. I mean, that is a really aggressive sport, and I know some of it's theatrics, but I mean, for the most of it, I mean, you you're like throwing yourself down on a table, or on a, I mean, that that's so painful. I mean, you look at people and you go, "How do you have that constitution to do that?" Yeah, whacked with many chairs across my head and tables, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was fun then. Now that it's 15 years later, I'm like, I was a jackass. Uh, what did I do to myself? I can't wait to tell some of my friends that are big-time wrestler fans about you that I did a show with you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like, dude. I mean, because this is, this is a big deal. I mean, like the wrestling, I mean, this is this is, this is is big. I mean, I, I want to see some of your pictures, though, because I'd, I'd love to see some of that stuff. I'll share some of my old pictures with you, too. You won't be the only one putting it out there, but... I would love to see some of that. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Uh, absolutely. Well, actually, yeah. this is no, incredible. It's been great getting to uh, talk to you and know you and learn more about you. And uh, you are truly a totally driven. Well, awesome. And I'm so glad to be on the show. And I really appreciate coming on. And I look forward to coming on again for sure. So, uh, and then I'll, I'll have to have y'all on my show as well. So I'd love to have you on, uh, on Live Your True Life Perspectives. And uh, we'll get an interview in together. So I'd love to I'd love to have you on my show too. And I just appreciate coming on and I, I value your show and, and you're, oh. you're an awesome person. Thank you. So are you. And yeah, just let me know. People, believe me, you can do a many part episode on me. Believe me. Oh, I already figured that. So that's why I've already invited you to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we got lots of material. Don't worry. We'll, we'll make it a great. I know that. I know that. No. Throw out there. Where can everybody find you and listen to your show and all that other stuff and get oh, yeah. your books and everything? Oh man, you're awesome. Okay, I'll, I won't. I won't go on and on, but just go to Ashley A S H L E Y Burgess. Ashley Burgess B E R G E S. It's really Burgess, but it's Burgess. So Ashley B E R G E S at. Uh, no, I mean dot com. Ashley Burgess dot com. Um, Facebook Ashley Burgess. Twitter. 
Instagram, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeart, Google Play, and um, stations around the country. But if you go to AshleyBurgess.com, you'll find me, and you'll find the stations, and you can find the latest blogs and the videos and all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm also on YouTube. Oh, cool. Very cool. But then soon to be in TV here soon, so we'll be well. But you'll be on the show, and we'll be able to talk about that when you come on my show. Sounds good. Can't wait. Awesome, awesome. Well, you still got to send me the picture of the tattoo. Don't forget. I'm scared to. I'm scared to know. <laughs> I want if if uh, it's not going to be bad. I, I bet you got exactly what you asked for. It's probably something really cool. It's probably cool. So, but it's good to know. I mean, why not? You know, it's good to know. Okay. Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate your listeners, and and I hope everybody's having a wonderful night. And just remember the toughest thing that we have in life is to learn how to love ourselves. And once we figure that out, it's a day-to-day process. It doesn't go away, but, hey, it gets easier. There you go. Ashley, thank you again so much. Thank you for having me on. Have a great night. And to your listeners, thank you so much, and I look forward to having you on my show. And you have a great night, sweetheart. You too. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, well, there she goes, Miss Ashley Burgess. That was awesome. That was a good talk. Great conversation. Absolutely. And it was very productive. Very productive it, interview. It was. And, you know, I, I, me going on to her show, it, it truly could be uh, – that's a whole can of worms getting opened up there. I, I don't know if people are ready for that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you'll have to see. Yeah. I don't. Should I have my uh, like box of tissues with me, or sh- I wonder if I'd make her cry? <laughs> you do. I'd give up. Oh, <laughs> uh, can't yeah. wait! It'll be. If you make her cry, man. I give up. All right. You know what? Let's let's uh, flip over because I think our other guest is here. You know what? And actually, I, I I'm going to say screw the commercial because he's been waiting patiently. Let's welcome mm-hmm. to the ship. There we go. Is this Mr. David Richmond? This is he. Good evening. David, how are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty fantastic. Thank you. Now, you, I mean, we we have to talk because I, I, I'm really, really interested in this whole story. Like, we were saying at the beginning of the show, um, you rode a bicycle across the country, like, and the circumstances that really inspired you, I mean, I mean, was sadly the, the passing of your sister due to cancer. Mm-hmm. And then, like, how, how did that inspire you to want to, like, do this, like, to, to ride this bike and form this organization? And, and, and I mean, you, you took on a lot. Yeah, that's been kind of the bane of my existence is taking on too much, you know, taking taking on a lot. Right? It, it's funny when I when I uh, when I turned just before I turned forty, right? I was uh, I was overweight. I maybe weighed like fifty pounds too much. I smoked. I I, uh, I was very very unhealthy, and. Um, I struck up a deal with my kids. I have twins. At the time, they were five years old, and and they said, you know, hey, listen, Dad, you, you know, you, you got you got to stop smoking. 
and I'm like, yeah, all right, I, I, I hear you. And so um, I stopped, and I said, geez, to, to not start smoking again, i got to do something that smokers, like, don't do, right? i got to go, like, run or something. And so, because you can't smoke and run at the same time. Right. So I started running, and then, like, <clears throat> by, like, six or seven months later, I was doing my first Ironman. And it's like, maybe that's maybe that's a little aggressive, but um, that's kind of like the way... The, the way I, I, I go. So over the next like six or eight years, I did like a dozen Ironmans. I did like 50 ultra marathons and I did, you know, just tons and tons of different events. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but, um, you know, trying to tackle a big project is something that, um, that really inspires me and really draws my interest. So back to your original question is, um, along the path of doing more and more endurance events and you know trying to see how far I could push myself, my sister got cancer. Uh, uh, she passed away about eight or nine years ago. And every year, I put together an event, which is uh, combining um, endurance athletics with fundraising to try to help you know, raise money and, and stuff to give to cancer centers to take care of people. And, yeah, like a couple of years ago, I go, yeah, you've done X, why don't you do 2X? And you've done 2X, so why don't you do 5X? And all of a sudden I said, uh, what would it be like to, like, ride my bike across the country, you know, <clears throat> like super, you know, like in a super uh, uh, determined way, you know, not like leisurely, but like ride. Right. And uh, and that's that's how it started. So it was just like this thought of how can I push myself? Um, what would be something that would be meaningful? Like like running to the corner or riding your bike around town is not not that challenging. What would be challenging? And I figured putting five thousand miles on the bike would be pretty challenging. <laughs> <laughs> now, like how much? Like you can't just say, "All right, I'm going to do this," and next week go and do it. So, like how much actual planning? Did it take to like route everything? And then, I, I mean, were you working? Are you were you self-employed? Did you have a job? Did you have to go into your job and say, "Hey, I'm going to go do this"? And like, did they think you were crazy? Yeah, they did. That's a good question. I mean, <clears throat> listen, I, I I've been listening to the show, and I love your your last guest, and and, and you know, talking about this whole like cutting yourself a break and believing in yourself and, and, and all of that. I just, I just, you know, started maybe like six or eight years ago going, geez, um, maybe I ought to do what's important to me instead of what's important to everybody else. Now, now that, that doesn't mean being selfish or whatever, but just focusing sure. on the things that you want to do. And even if that's like, you know, like barbecuing for the kids every night or, Going, going to do charity work or whatever, whatever it is. Um, I don't mean to be selfish, but I mean just start doing, you know, things for, for you. And, and I started planning this thing a few, a few years ago. It's I, I wanted to tie together two things, right? I wanted to tie together some like an incredible endurance event, and also tying it together with a with my next book project. 
And so, so it was, it was in the planning stages for a while and I had gone through a couple of, you know, different, not career changes, but, uh, steps along my career. And, you know, I just, I just got lucky that, that, um, you know, I was able to take the time off and, um, I, I've been planning it for, for a couple of years. And, and then certainly in the last like six to 12 months, the planning was just kind of insane. Um, and all the little pieces of the whole thing coming together. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, is as I spent most of the time on all the planning and logistics and, you know, dealing with life and the things that we got to do every day. And I didn't spend a whole lot of time training. So when I, when I got on the bike, it was like, I, you know, this, this is not going to be so easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even know how to even approach it. I really wouldn't. And it's something like I would say to myself, like, that'd be really cool to do. I, I mean, it has to be an amazing experience, but I, I wouldn't even know how to approach it. I'd be scared to even try to approach it. Okay, but but say this twenty years ago about yourself. How would you go about a, a, approaching becoming a professional wrestler and having people bust chairs over your head? How would you go about that? If you had no idea, but you figured it out, right? Because because you wanted to, and so yeah. um, if if you want to figure something out, if you if you want to accomplish something, you, you usually can, right? Uh, and the and the and the funny thing is, I. You know, I do a lot of sales training and a lot of motivational speaking. And the and the example that I give is this: I go, imagine that you had uh, two very tall buildings, right, like like a hundred feet from each other. Call them like fifty-story buildings, hundred feet from each other. And I went up to the top and I brought you up there, and I and I put a ladder between the two buildings. And I said, uh, hey, do me a favor, crawl across that ladder from one side to the other. You would laugh at me and go, what are you, kidding me? Uh, There's no way I would do that. And then all of a sudden the wind started picking up, and it's like 50-mile-an-hour wind. And I go, come on, go do it now, uh, and and I'll put a million bucks on the other side of that, that building. Would you do it? And you might go, yeah, maybe I would. Or you might go, ah, a million bucks, I'm not into the money, I don't want to die, I ain't crawling across the ladder. And if I go, well, uh, I could give you eternal happiness or peace because it's going to solve your emotional issues, that might cause you to go across. If I said to you, hey, uh, I'm going to put your infant child in the middle of that ladder and you got to go save it. Like, whatever that thing is is going to motivate you to do the things that you need to do to figure it out, you will get across that ladder, and, and, and regardless of the wind, regardless of the height, regardless of whatever, if you find the thing that motivates you, you will figure it out, right? You'll overcome your fear, you'll overcome your doubts, and, and you will figure it out. So that's kind of what I wanted to do was I wanted to do something meaningful. Um, I'm doing a, a great project on a, on, a, on, on a book that I'm writing, and it was like, well, that's the – that's the motivation I needed to do it. And you just, you just figure it out. You know, you just dig yourself as big a hole or go find the highest ladder or the most difficult thing. And if, and if it means that much to you, then you will figure it out. 
Now, when you started and you actually like left to do this, um, mm-hmm. did you have like a big send off as you, as you pedaled away? <laughs> you know, it's funny because that's a funny question because it's kind of anticlimactic. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I had like three people there going, all right, good luck. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that was about it. It's like, you know, I mean, uh, no, I mean, there wasn't a big send off the first day. I, so I'm writing this book, right? It's, 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 uh, it's my fourth book and it's, and it's this, uh, I'm, I'm, um, documenting for the last year, year and a half or so, 15 people's emotional journeys with cancer. Okay? okay. So they don't have to be patients or survivors or whatever, just doctors, um, chief medical officer, survivors, whatever. Uh, we're dealing with the emotional issues related to cancer and you know, not treatment, not care, not uh, how do I prevent or what do I do when I got it or none of that. Just how do I deal with it emotionally? And sure. The first, the first day, I went and visited like one, two, three hospitals slash cancer centers and five different book subjects. It was a busy day. I, I was on the news, blah, 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 like all this stuff. It was kind of a big deal. But yeah, specific to your question, when I took off, I kind of walked outside and my fiance took a picture and my, my son was with me and my daughter was clapping and one buddy came over and they're like, all right, good luck. You know, have a good 5,000 miles. See you in a few weeks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty fun. It was, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. I know me neither. Right. <laughs> um, but, but that's the funny thing, right? I mean, when, when you do, when, when, you know, like I was saying earlier, that thing that makes you crawl across a ladder from one building to the next in a windstorm. When you when you find the thing that is the thing that you want to do, that makes you feel good. Does it really Does it really matter if anybody's watching? Does it matter what anybody else thinks? But you know, it, it doesn't. What what, ma- what matters is you know when, what what you think and and. You know that that's the most important thing, and I I left feeling really really pumped up and excited that I was going to get the opportunity to jump on my bike and hit 20 states, you know, 15 book subjects, you know, countless medical facilities, and you know, meet all these wonderful people along the way, and you know, see all these beautiful sights, and find out how far I could push myself physically, emotionally, all this stuff, I was completely jazzed. So it, I didn't care who was looking, right, because it didn't really matter. I, I, it, I, the only thing I was trying to figure out is what I was capable of doing. Yeah, I mean, once you put it that way, I mean, he had me actually stop and think. and was like, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> now, how about like... You know, everybody's watching, right, so sorry to interrupt you, but everybody's watching, everybody's watching... Uh, you know, when 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 he was he was at his prime, everybody was watching Kobe Bryant, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of everybody kind of watches Elon Musk's every business move. You know, there are certain people everybody's watching what they do. Nobody nobody's watching me, right? And 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 really freeing to realize that that 
that no nobody really cares like what my every move is and nobody's judging all the little stuff that I do. You know, when when when, when I'm doing an Ironman or a hundred mile run or some crazy you know thing and, and I wanna quit, my body's telling me to quit and a hundred times over I wanna quit, I go, Man, nobody's looking and I try to like talk myself into it going, I can I can leave the course and sneak into my car and drive home and get away without anybody seeing me. And I'm like talking myself into quitting because who's going to care? And then I go, oh, dude, you got to look in the mirror when you get home. Right? That's the only thing that matters. So don't quit because you're always going to know. Nobody else is probably watching. Nobody else probably cares, but you're always going to know. Now, did you ever get to that point at all? Did that thought ever cross your mind as you were doing that? That you wanted to quit? I, I, what's, the, what's the longest bike ride you've ever been on? Oh, jeez. Uh, 20 minutes? Can we be real for a minute? Absolutely. <laughs> can we be real for a minute? Uh, there is nothing comfortable about being on a bike for 10, 12, 17 hours a day. Okay? There is nothing comfortable about it. It's miserable. And when you're dealing with hills and 100-degree heat, 115-degree heat, something, I bike through a hurricane, uh, 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 traffic. Man, I hit a wall of where I wanted to quit hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times during that six weeks. Hundreds, sometimes you know, 20, 30 times a day, I'm, look, uh, you know, I'm talking to myself saying, what the hell are you doing? Why did you get yourself into? Why don't you just not? I mean, why don't you just stop? It's just no fun. Wow. Right? Because there's, <clears throat> there's nothing fun about being on a bike for 17 hours in a day. You know, your, your butt's all chafed. You got, you got, you know, sunburnt. Back is sore. You know, your lips are dry. You're dehydrated. Your stomach shuts down. You know, you got cars honking you know, at you, semis whizzing by you at 70 miles an hour, you know, whipping up pedals that, pebbles that are, you know, wrecking your body. I mean, it's not fun. You know, but, I mean, that's, that's well, part of the allure. Had to, there had to be something that you said to yourself to keep you going. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, I think the older you get, the more you realize that, um, like, some other time or next time is actually right now. You know, like, how many times did you put off a project or how many times did you tell your buddies, go out without me, I got to stay home and study, or you you didn't do that much early on in life, right? You you kind of just go, ah, I could do this next week. I could do that next year. Or I can put this off till later. And and I think that um, the older you get, the more you realize that next time is right now. And and if you give it everything you can and you've got to walk away, that's fine. There's no no harm or foul in that. But did you give it everything you could give it? You know, I, I... one of my book subjects, okay, it's amazing, amazing dude, okay. Uh, 52 or 53 days ago, 
he wrote down on a piece of paper two things. He goes, I'm going to stop drinking for 100 days, and I'm going to run in two-minute intervals, and by the end of 2016, I'm going to be able to run three miles. Okay? A couple weeks into it, I sent him an email, and I go, hey, brother, there's a, uh, there's a race coming up around you uh, in, in, uh, around Thanksgiving. I think you could do it. And and he did a four point something mile run. It was more than a five k. It was like a four and a half mile run uh, uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and ran the whole thing. He he, he ran the whole. He ran forty five minutes. Five weeks before he thought he could ever run three miles straight. And and when I talked to him, I said, "You never would have thought you could do that, and then you did it. And I bet you could have done more." So, so I think we often don't set high enough goals for ourselves. We, we often, uh, granted, biking five thousand miles is a pretty high goal, but we often <laughs> right. don't set right? we often don't set high enough goals for ourselves. And so that's something that 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 I've learned that that are you getting the most out of this experience? Are you giving it the most effort? Usually, the answer to that is no. And so you just so that's the thing that I kept saying over and over to myself, which is, hey, you want to quit? Nobody's really going to watch. Nobody's really caring. You're always going to know. And honestly, when are you ever going to get an opportunity to try this and have it feel better? <laughs> There's no next time. You know, right, right now is the time. So just just keep going. Just just figure it out. Yeah, the time is now. The time is now. It is right. I mean, the time the time is now. That's, that's exactly well said. Now you mentioned uh, pedaling through a hurricane. Like, <laughs> did, did you like at any point think like, all right, like I think I can take a break now. I, I, <laughs> I mean, take cover somewhere, or you just pedal right on through. So funny. Um, so I, I so it's it's crazy because if you if, if if before I went on this ride, right, people people go, oh, you're lucky, you're going west to east, man. The wind's always coming out of the west, and and, and then you know I've learned that when you're on a long bike ride, the wind's coming from what out of whatever direction you're headed. Right? It does, it it doesn't do whatever it's supposed to do. It's doing the opposite of what you need it to do. And right. so I was just hitting when if I was heading south, it was coming out of the south. If I was heading east, it was coming out of the east. If I was heading northwest, it was coming out of the northwest. It's just stupid. So this Hurricane Matthew is coming along, and I'm going, I think I'm going to miss it. But, you know, hurricanes go counterclockwise, and the winds go, you know, from north to south, um, you know, in, in, in North America. And... Uh, uh, and I had just turned left in in, in, in the middle of Florida on the, on the eastern seaboard to, to head up to New York. Just as the hurricane, the outer bands of that hurricane started hitting, so the winds were just in my face the whole way up the Florida coast. But I said, just keep pedaling and go super fast, and and I'm going a little bit faster than the hurricane because it's going like eight or ten miles an hour, and I was able to go like twelve or fourteen miles an hour. I'm always going to be ahead of it. Eventually, it's going to go out to sea 
like in South Carolina, Virginia, or something like that, I'll, I'll be able to beat it. But it definitely caught me. And there was one day, it was just, it was literally stupid. I was biking on the interstate with no traffic because everybody was, was, was evacuated. The rain was coming down as solid sheet. And I'm pedaling as hard as I could pedal, and I'm going like four and a half miles an hour. And I just started laughing, going, like, this is the stupidest thing you've ever done. So, <laughs> so I, I, when I, I had like one of these big like army, like 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 army trucks, you know, it's giving support to the local community. Like rolls up next to me, and uh, you know, the sergeant or whatever rolls down his window, and he's screaming, "Are you okay out there? Do you know there's a hurricane going out there? Can we help you?" And I'm giving them the thumbs up going, no, nah, man, I'm cool. It's all good. He's like, all right, you be safe. And then he took off, and I'm like going, yeah, maybe this is not a good idea. <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. So I got off the road. You know, my fiance was, was supporting me at the time. She came and picked me up, and uh, we kind of hid in the hotel that, that lost power. And the next day we took off, and it was it, it was it was it was we we had we got hit by the by the like the most severe uh a band of the hurricane overnight and it was it was it was it was crazy so your your fiance i guess uh drove along to keep tabs on you the whole time yeah to keep tabs on me <laughs> uh, you're okay oh she's gonna, she gonna love that yeah she was keeping tabs on me. um no, you know, um, I was very, very fortunate to have her along. I had this this dreamy kind of idea that I was going to leave on the six weeks, pack all the stuff I needed in my bag, jump on the bike, and go, because the wind goes west to east. I love the heat. Who cares if it's 110 degrees? You know, it's all going to be good. It was really, really hard, like, like, like way harder than I anticipated. And being that all the hotel rooms were donated, point A to point B every day means that I got to get to point A from point A to point B because, you know, I had to be on schedule. I had a lot of media, the hotels and the book subjects and all this other stuff. And it was way harder than I thought. And lucky for me, thankfully, she was able to be there for roughly two thirds of the time. She had to fly back and forth to California a couple of times for, for some things, but she was able to be there. So she would, you know, spend, you know, eight or 10 of the 10 or 12 hours that I was on the road, she would spend supporting me going back and forth, checking in at the hotel, coming back to give me support, going to scope out the roads, coming back to give me water. You know, she was going back and forth. So luckily, you know, like I said, all but about 15 days or so, I was able to get support and um, it was invaluable because Otherwise, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I'd be on the side of the road, still crying my eyes out in New Mexico or something, because it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like, now that makes it, I like. All right, I can see it now. Okay, because I was going to say, like, what do you pack? Like, I, I'm not thinking anybody's with you, just you and this bicycle. I'm like, what? What do you pack? Like, what do you bring with you? <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, exactly. So I had the truck, right? We had we had the truck and. In the truck was all the gear I needed, and she was able to go back and forth. So I wasn't—I didn't have to carry a ton of stuff, but I was on my own quite a bit. And in fact, 
you know, I was on my own for some of the longer days that I had to be at, which I got, I'm, you know, I'm on a 60 pound bike with all the gear that I need for the next four or five days. And, you know, I was, you know, I did a couple of 14, 15, you know, even one 17 hour day on my own. But if I had to do that every day for the whole six, six weeks, there's no way I would have been able to make it. There's just no way. So, you know, thankfully I had support, you know, she didn't have to pedal, but I didn't have to do a lot of the stuff that she did where like, like I could pull over and sit down for a minute while she's taking care of me. And, right. you know, I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to do a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, you know, other, the logistics and whatever I could concentrate on pedaling. And she was helping me coordinate all the meetings and the book subjects and all this other stuff. So it was, it was invaluable to have her help. And I had other friends, I had a friend fly out from California to meet me in, New Orleans and support me for a few days. I had another buddy in Florida uh, join me. He was going to join me for a day. He ended up joining me for three or four days. You know, I had I had a lot of support along the way. It was it was pretty remarkable. That's awesome. Now, how about um going along through the way? Like, were you meeting people, or um, it was just like stopping and doing media interviews, or did you actually like meet like people that were like supporting you? throughout this whole voyage. Yeah. Well, so I was gone for six weeks and I I met um, like, like several different types of people. So there were people that, that supported that like donated hotel rooms, met all of them. They were super nice. Right. Um, I have the book subjects along the way. So I was able to meet with them. Uh, Sometimes it was for dinner. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, just for a, for a quick hello, one of my book subjects biked with me for two days. Uh, oh, nice. So I got to meet with with them. I got to meet with you know several uh, you know major institutions that were uh, that you know that I partnered with along the way. So I was able to meet with a lot of people. Then those were kind of scheduled meetings, and then just you know along the way, I mean, I just met dozens and dozens and dozens of really neat people, all strangers. Uh, and it was it was just the biggest surprise about the whole ride. It was just excuse me, it was just fantastic. Like for example, one time I'm I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I don't know if you know the freeway system in in Dallas. It's it's like an octopus, a concrete concrete octopus, just freeway overpasses, all this other stuff. And I'm on my own. I don't have support, and I'm kind of stuck on the interstate, not knowing where to go, and. You know, I'm, I'm looking at my GPS and I'm doing people are honking at me and trucks are flying by. And all of a sudden this one guy, and I'm totally stressed out, this guy pulls up in front of me and I'm going, oh, great, what does this clown want? And he jumps out of his car and starts running over to me. He goes, dude, he goes, I can't believe it. You're on the interstate biking. He goes, there's got to be a cool story behind it. Talk to me. Talk to me, brother. And I was just like, whoa, who is this guy? And so I told him what I was doing. He's like, oh, my God, I've got friends all over the place, and, and I'm going to promote you on my social media. This is the greatest thing ever. If you don't mind, I'm going to pray for you and talk talk about you in my church, and I want this bike shop. To, blah, blah. And this, this guy just hooked me up with, like, 50 people along the way. And I'm just going, wow. Just because I was driving and, you know, riding my bike on the, on the interstate, this, this guy pulls over, and he's just totally, you know, jazzed by what I'm doing. And 
and you know made such an impact on on the ride. I, I met some of his friends. We got tons of donations from people. It was it was ridiculous. So I got to meet some really really neat people. Are some of these people are you still like in touch with? Like now uh, you know like Facebook friends or whatever. Definitely, are you kidding me? Definitely, like, probably hundreds. And it's and it's really touching because, um, the, 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 you know, part of the impetus in this when you started off asking asking me this was you know, you know about my sister and you know when when you when, when you really think about it like ah you know we all know somebody that's got heart problems and you know whatever we all know you know people that have you know been stricken with different things and. You know, we all know people that suffer from mental illness or whatever, but there seems to be some extra level of, I don't know, sympathy, empathy, kind of bonding when you when you bring up cancer, right? Excuse me. Everybody knows somebody that's gone through cancer, and you got this kind of mysterious kind of like, uh, cancer means death, and cancer means this, and it's like, when, when people find out that you're doing something to raise awareness and funds for cancer, and there's like this kind of like instant bonding thing. And everybody knows somebody that's been affected by cancer, whether themselves, a family member, as a survivor, as a patient, as caregivers, whatever. And it just kind of takes away all the differences between people and it brings it, it tended I, I noticed across the country it tended to bring out the best in people, not everybody, but most people and when you when you sit down and you talk to people for even for a minute or sometimes for an hour you 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 realize you're part of this club, and that club is that club of we're connected because we all we we're all connected through this thing called cancer, and it's just mysterious, nobody can figure it out kind of, you know, affliction that just gives people a, a common ground. And so I, I think the people that I ran into, you form just a, a immediate and, and very true bond with them. And so, yeah, I, I hope to be in, in contact with, with these people for, and, and them with me for, for hopefully forever. You know, it's just, it's really a neat thing. Now let me ask you this, and this is something that I've, I've like you know, people have bonded over cancer. Um, I've lost my uh, my mother, my father to cancer, various other family members, um, and I've always wanted to do something similar to what you've done. Not ride a bike around the country. I mean, I, if I could, if I honestly think I could do it, I would do it. But you know, I, I've wanted to do the same thing: raise awareness um, and yep. raise money. Then I say to myself, like the whole money aspect. It like I say to myself, all the millions and probably billions of dollars that have been raised, where does it all go? It, it, yep. And I kind of feel like it's being, I don't know, like it's not being used properly. I should say. I hear you. I hear you. And, and you think that it doesn't really matter. I'm going to tell you a story in one second, but <clears throat> let me just ask you. So how old were you when your parents, both of them died of cancer? My father died when I was four and my mother died when I was 18. Both of them of cancer. Yep. Wow. So you don't, you don't even remember your dad, huh? 
barely. Barely, right? There's like maybe wow. a handful of things, like moments that I remember of him. Were you able to find out what he was like by talking to other people? Uh, you know what? I still to this day, when I sit, like, when we have, like, family gatherings and all, I still, it always gets brought up, like, about my father and stuff, yeah. Like, what kind of guy he was and this and that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, that's, pre- that's, that's pretty cool, man. That's tough. That is tough. And then, and then, so you're, you're and then, you know, you're a teenager and you got your mom to rely on and then she dies of cancer, too? Yep. Wow. What was she like? She was uh she literally was an angel, you know. She just uh wow. she was an incredible person. She really was. Uh, and like when when she when she died, the thing that was really um I, I guess to, like angering about the whole situation with her was um she knew she had it. Like she knew for like two years she had it and never said nothing. She had breast cancer. And um, mm-hmm. what happened was she was uh, at, at the local supermarket doing food shopping and literally, like, passed out in the store, and they rushed her to the hospital, mm-hmm. and, you know, they discovered, that, like, literally her breast had turned black, they said, and yeah. she was just scared. She knew what it was, and she was scared. So she, she was scared. She just never went to have it taken care of. Do you think that's left yeah. over from what your father might have gone through? or uh, or? I think... I think that was part of it. And also huh. because like talking to our previous guest, you know, I'm in therapy and a yeah. lot of it is about yeah. my parents. I sit and talk about them every week. And something yeah. I've really come to realize over the last few years is she really did shut down. Like she didn't do nothing. Like her life uh-huh. literally became raising me and cleaning a house every day, cooking and smoking cigarettes and watching TV. That was her life, you know, mm. the next so many years. And mm. I realize now, like, she she was alone. Like, that was her true love. And he, he yep. wasn't in her life anymore, and she just kind of shut down. And I've come to realize that now. And I see it, looking at it as I'm older now, I can see it and realize it now. Wow, man, that is tough. And you have no brothers and sisters? I have a sister. I had. She actually, she passed away two years ago. From leukemia. From leukemia? Yep. So talk about being an expert in the emotional damage caused by cancer. You you might be a world-renowned expert in that. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man, you are one tough dude. I can... I can hear that. Um, I, I would, I would say that I think being cynical about the money thing is a is a natural reaction, but I I think you would find that um, that that's an easy place to go. When I did a couple of like, there's a cancer center at UCLA that that. Uh, took care of my sister and she had such a rare form of brain cancer that they kind of gave her extra attention, right? Cause they made a board study out of her. And so that yeah. might've extended her, her life. Um, and you know, the quality of care that she got was extended. And I did a couple of fundraisers in the first few years after she passed away. 
And then I did one fundraiser where I did not raise that much money. Right? Okay. It was pretty pitiful, right? And and I called up the special events lady and I kind of apologized and I go, uh, you know, I feel really guilty. We didn't really raise a lot of money. And she goes, are you kidding me? She goes, you got to understand. She goes, we don't look at how much money you raise for us. We get to tell your story over and over and over to tons of people. Every year you're doing something, we get to bring up the fact that you continue to do it every year. She goes, do not worry about how much you raise or don't raise. She goes, uh, we tell your story all the time. She goes, that's number one. Number two is when, when, when a researcher needs an assistant or a researcher has some, some costs that are incurred, they got to raise yeah. that money one way or another. They got to lobby for it or they got to hope they get a grant for it or they got to walk into the director and explain. Do you realize a, a, how much a dollar means or $5 or $1,000 means when you need a research assistant to help you with a certain issue? She goes, every dollar matters. And so here's what I see. Here's what I see, right? Okay. I know that I could work my whole life and give it everything that I could give it. And I will raise a, a drop in a bucket to if Oprah Winfrey went on her TV show and said, all right, everybody, go to X website and donate some money and help this cancer center out. She's going to raise a million times what I could ever raise in one treatment sure. than I could raise in my whole life. Sure. Right? So I can mm-hmm. either go, ah, it's not worth my effort, or I could go, ah, you know something? Maybe my dollar was the grain of rice that tipped the scale. Maybe maybe, maybe my telling somebody to, to, to go get treatment or to inspire them to do something Maybe that's the thing that leads to something that leads to something that leads to something meaningful. You never know. Right. right? You, you just don't know. So I would rather be an optimist and right than a pessimist and wrong. So I could walk around being pessimistic and cynical, like this is not going to make a difference, and who am I? You know, oh, there were three people at my send-off, or it doesn't matter. Because want to know something? If you affect one person the right way or you send the right dollar to the right place, it actually does make a difference or it could make a difference. And so I think being cynical or being negative about, oh, I don't know what kind of difference I could make, I think that's an easy way out. I really do believe that anything that you do that you're passionate about and that could have an effect on people, you have no idea how long of a, of a, that could trickle down, and and you could you could have a remarkable effect on people and not even know it, right? Wow. I mean, right? I mean, so why not do? Yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm glad. Like, it, it's been something that's bothered me for years. Like that whole, like, mm-hmm. and I've never known like somebody to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I helped other people do no. like fundraising stuff, and I've always said to myself like. Yeah. How do you know it's being used right? Or, or you know, you know what I mean? Like I hear you. I hear you, but, but and, and it's a great question. And probably there's a ton of waste. And probably there's like, what does it all mean? I got you on that. 
But, but, you know, I'll give you one, one super quick story. Okay, I don't know that this means like that it would would solve any problems. It's not going to solve life's issues. It's not going to make a difference in the way that some cancer institute deals with the problem of cancer. But how I know that this stuff that that every tiny little interaction could be meaningful is this. So I'm at the end of a really long day. Okay, it's like one of my longest days. It's 17 hours, 150 miles, and I'm 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 as beat as you could be. Like I'm, it was the scariest day I ever had, right? And, and I'm all alone. And I get to the hotel and I walk in, and the, and the girl behind the counter comes rushing over. She goes, "Oh my God, I've been looking forward to you getting here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're safe." I'm like, uh, "Great, thanks. I, I just want to bed." She goes, "You know." My grandfather died of cancer four years ago. He took care of me. I'm so super close to him. Um, I'm so glad that you're doing this. Thank you so much. And whatever, I go, I go to, I, I go to my room, and I get a pop up on my phone that, and I, and I saw her name, and, and I see this pop up on my phone that she made a ten dollar donation. And I'm like, how sweet is that, right? That is so nice, right? That's awesome. So. Is ten bucks gonna make a difference in fighting cancer? No. But I thought how sweet is that? So I get back, a couple of weeks later, I get this nice email from her. Oh, you know, you helped me reconnect with the thought of my grandfather. I really appreciate what you did. I, I really enjoyed meeting you. And oh by the way, she goes, I'm hoping that that donation that I made is not a recurring donation because I cannot afford $10 a month. Wow. And I went, oh. right? Uh, if some corporation can give away $10 million and not feel it. She could give $10 and feel it that much. Which one's more meaningful? Right. To me, the 10 bucks is more meaningful. So who's to say mm-hmm. that it's not, that it's not the money's being wasted or it's, I, I don't know how, I, it's above my pay grade, man. But but <laughs> I gotta believe that her ten bucks was as important as the ten million dollars that Ford Motor Company wrote. So I sent her a note going, "Not that was a one-time donation. Don't worry about it." But thank you for taking the time to write the note. And so you never know what kind of effect you could have on people. You never know what could happen over something that you do. And I would encourage you that if you want to do whatever it is, it doesn't even matter what it is. If you want to do something and you're doing it for you and you're doing it to help heal yourself or you're doing it to because you think it's the right thing to do or you just want to feel better for a day or you want to let other people know that you understand their pain or whatever, I would say do not discount it. Just do it. It's funny, too, because I actually was, like, um, putting a list together yesterday (laughs) of things I really want to try to do and accomplish in 2017. And that was Mm -hmm. one of the things was I really wanted to, like, try to do some charity work and, you know, do stuff like that. And, yeah, Yeah. I I think you've um, really opened my eyes to things a little bit and uh, you were – explaining things to me to make me realize like, uh, yeah, every little bit can help. And, you know, maybe it can make a difference. 
Yeah, it's weird because until you see that stuff, I totally get your question. Like, ah, look at all this waste and this billions of dollars and what's going on. And right, you know, my, right. my fiance was yeah, my fiance was reading this article to me yesterday, as a matter of fact, about some 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 drug in uh, uh, that a, that a research facility in Israel came out of, and it was you know tens of millions of dollars of research and they, they, all of this stuff. And, and the 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 punchline of the story is that in the test subjects. It, it extended their life like 21 weeks. And, and, and I, mean, I mean, you went from 37 to 59 weeks. I mean, was it, I mean, really, that's the payoff for this, for this years and years of research and tens of millions of dollars is, you know, this kind of like small gain. This, I mean, granted 22 weeks of somebody's dying is a, is a lot of weeks, but I'm just saying, Really, that's not like that big of a deal, but it kind of is, because one thing can lead to the next, to the next, to the next, and and, and I just uh, I I just have seen how the tiniest little things can affect people in such a positive way that, uh, geez, if if you if you did something and it only made one person go home happy for the day seeing what you did, wow, how how, how great is that? Yeah, and that's the one thing I've said too, like. Uh, you know, all the millions and billions or whatever it is of dollars that's been raised over the years, and you mean to tell me they didn't find a cure yet? <laughs> you know, that was, that's the one thing I've always said, and it's driven me crazy. Yeah, it, it, it does drive you crazy. If you read a lot and you read some books out there and you listen to people, uh, researchers, and, and I think you kind of understand how it, it, it's a really, really complicated uh a disease. I mean, it's very, very, very complicated. And as we learn more about the, the you know, the human body, we learn more about the, you know, the science. The, the, the numbers and the math are are kind of insane. And so you kind of get how there hasn't been a cure now. Now, there, because of all the money and because of all the research, there are cancers now that are curable today that were not curable before. Right. right. No doubt. That's a that's a that's a straight fact, but cancer itself is is there's no you know there's no cure for cancer. There are cures for certain types of cancers that that's come out of this research. But yeah, um, it's such a uh, amazingly difficult disease that that you once you learn about it, you can understand how it's so difficult to find a cure or to find treatments it's it's really quite quite remarkable and um you know i i would expect it's going to be past our lifetime before a cure is found for you know kind of cure for cancer as it were um but it's definitely going to happen i hope so i i really do because you know what watching um, family members go through it. I, I don't want to see. I, it kills me to see people go through that. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, man, especially you. I mean, you you've seen you've seen it firsthand way too often, way way too close to home. And you know, I mean, you 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 know, I mean, there's nothing other to say other than, you know, I I, I feel you, and I and and it's like, it, it can be. It can be disheartening, and and it can be you know like overwhelming, 
and you you just got to say, okay, I got to figure out a way to put one step in front of the other, and I got to do the things that I want to do. I mean, heck, I haven't talked to too many people recently that would understand as much as you that, you know, today is now, now is today. Right. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Now, what yeah, do you think, so, um, well, what do you think your speaker, uh, would say, uh, not not even about raising money or any of this, but what do you think she would have said about you, you riding a bike around the country? Well, um, uh, you know, I'm writing the book right now. So uh, one of the themes for the book, I'm, writing, I'm, I'm having people deal with the you know, emotional issues of cancer. And each individual story is, um, you know, like a 20 to 40 page memoir. And it's all kind of tied together, uh, bound by the, by the bike ride. So the bike ride is kind of like the, the, the tie that binds the stories together. And, um, the theme of that story is exactly to your question of, you know, what, what do I think she would think? And that came to to be when people kept saying, why are you doing this? And, and I say, oh, well, I want to bring awareness. And I want to raise money. And I got this book. Yeah, but why are you doing this? And I'm like, well, because, uh, yeah, yeah, really? Like, why are you doing it? And I, and I think that your your question is one of the major motivators. You know, why am I doing it? Because what I, I often let myself uh, fantasize about what she would think. Why? Because it's important. Sure. You know, you, 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 you don't have the luxury of knowing if your mom and dad are proud of you right now. You don't have that luxury, and because uh, your mom and dad aren't here. But, 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 so you have to fantasize about it. You have to go. Oh, would they? Would they be proud of me? Or would this make a difference? Or would this be something they would notice? And um, that's probably part of my motivation for doing it and making it so difficult and having it be such a big deal is because, yeah, I think she would be proud. I think she would go, you're probably freaking nuts for doing it. Uh, you know, I don't really get it. She would probably go, you know, why the, why the heck did you get on that bike for so long? But honestly, in the, the whole thing taken into the whole thing, I think she would be proud. And uh, maybe that's a little selfish of me to want my sister to be proud of me, but yeah, it's not the worst motivator in the world, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I, I think no doubt she'd be proud. Yeah, and that's not the worst motivator, right? That's not the worst motivator, and you know, if whether it's a nod to your parents or a nod to to my sister or whatever, if you do something and you go, you know, you know, that's a wink, that's a wink, you know, to myself, to my family member, to my friend, to uh, some stranger that I met or whatever. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good reason to do something. So Mm -hmm. I, I think, I, I think that she would be proud. And I think that's part of my motivation for doing it because, you know, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have the ability to tell her anything that I think about her, nor hear anything that she thinks about me, because she's gone now. You know. 
you think this is also like a type of way for you to like keep a piece of her alive with you? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, it's a, it's an odd thing, right? I mean, you got a, you got, you got a couple, you, you said a, a couple of, you know, you know, minor memories of your dad, but, you know, the memories that you have of your mom is, is static in time and it's stuck right there, right? Because you, you didn't get to see her five years later, ten years later, right? right. So, 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 so those, fam- those family members, those friends, those loved ones that pass away, they pass away and they're kind of frozen in that time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think uh, more, it's not like you know, we, we age and we grow and we evolve and we change. So, so unfortunately they can't do that with us. So it, it's a, it's a complicated question, but when you say, does it help you know, kind of keep her memory alive or keep you co- close to each other? Yes. No. I mean, she's stuck in time. So that's, that's my memory of her. And right. so that, that can't evolve. Right. But, but I think it's more of a, I think it's a, a more of a wink. It's a nod. It's a, Hey, I understand where I came from. I understand where I lost you. And I'm not going to let go of that. Now right. I'm not going to harp on it every day. I'm not going to wear it like a, like a, like a weight around my, my neck. I'm not going to wear it like a, like a badge of honor or anything like that, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to carry it with me cause I'm going to, I'm going to remember, you know, where I came from and, and, uh, you know, give it, give a nod and a wink to who you are and who you were, you know? Right. And so I, I mean, that's my personal take on it. And, and, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's tough to reconcile anybody's death, especially somebody that's close to you. And I think if if you can have any kind of a healthy outlet to reconcile it in your head and be okay with it, you know, and, and not avoid it and let it sink in and kind of, you know, process it and feel good about it. I mean, as much as you could feel good about it, but, you know, I mean, be like, be okay with it. Sure. Um, that's, that's a health, that's a healthy thing, you know? know. Cool. I mean, so where, um... man, good thing we kept it light, my man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Where can everybody find out more about you and the cycle of lives and um, get your, I mean, you have, have other books out as well. And yeah, I, I do. Um, uh, the name's David Richmond. So rich man, David Richmond, um, they can uh, look up on the web cycle org, Facebook, you know, Instagram, Twitter, all those good things. It's, it's a, uh, uh, you know, cycle of lives is where they can find everything, and we are a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization. We give our money to um, comprehensive cancer centers, support networks, uh, organizations that support people that are going through cancer or fighting cancer, um, youth organizations, you know, other type of stuff. All. all all different organizations that are dealing with fighting cancer or supporting those people that are going through cancer. And so all donations are tax deductible. hundred percent of the proceeds of all donations go directly to these institutions. 
so it's kind of a neat thing. Um, that you can find out more about the project, about the book, about the book subjects, and and everything uh, uh, by just looking up Cycle of Lives. Nice, David. Yeah. This has been a it's been a wonderful conversation, and yeah, you, know, you, you truly are like a, a totally different person. You you are. <laughs> Or totally crazy, but thank you. That's very nice. You thank you. I appreciate that. Driven sounds so much better than crazy. <laughs> driven sounds so much better, doesn't it? I love that. Of course, it's totally driven. Um, and yeah, listen. Uh, I mean, good luck. I mean, you know, I would say, you know, 2017 is a great year to do those goals you want to do, especially, you know, anything that makes you feel good about the stuff that you're doing. That's always important. And. Um, you know, if you ever want to talk again or have me on, I'd totally consider it an honor, and I'll be there. Yeah, when, when uh, the book comes out, we have to get you back on. Any ideas? Excellent. When uh, yeah, I'm hoping by about the third quarter of 2017. Um, okay. I'm working on it now. Um, you know, it's 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 it, you know it's going well, but. Uh, this one will probably be published sometime around the quarter of 2017. And, and you know, what the goal of it is, is to help people um, uh, understand what people are going through. What are the emotions behind, um, you know, what they're going through, um, either as a loved one or survivor or patient or a caregiver, in the hopes that, you know, once you understand what's going on with people, you can better deal with your own trauma or deal with, you know, how to interact with people that are going through difficult things like, you know, like cancer. Absolutely. Cool. Well, David, again, thank you so much. This is uh this has been really great. And uh, you're a hell of a guy. You really are. And uh, good luck with everything. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's very nice. I really enjoyed the time. Good luck. Uh, and uh, I appreciate you allowing me to, enjoy the time with you and, uh, and, and I'll be here at the ready. So thank you very much and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. You too. All right. Have a good night. Take care. You too. Bye. 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 All right. There he goes. Mr. David Richmond, totally driven, not totally crazy. And, um, yeah, that's friggin' awesome. So Jeanette, are you there? Of course. There you go. I didn't know if you were still eating. No. Don't take me that long to eat. No, actually, I've, been, I've gotten a lot of work. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. But yeah. <laughs> I actually made a sale on eBay while we, we, we've been doing the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good job. Yeah. I'm spam yeah. things. Bend and no more sales, but either way. <laughs> Three manga books for 20 bucks. Boom. There you go. Good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a few people. Mine, mine are running until about three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens. That's huh? not a good thing to have them end. <laughs> no. Well, they're, they're buy it now sales. Taking in, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Right, right, right. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, people in California. It's only midnight. Yeah. So it's still sell. 
That's funny. What? And you have them all set to end at the same time? No, no. Oh, okay. They've been ending all night, actually. They started ending at... Uh, started ending, I think, at like 5 o'clock today. And oh, all wow. throughout the night. Yeah, and all throughout the night they've been ending. Now, now you don't do that option they have now where you can just... Um, List until uh, till it sells or whatever. Good until canceled or whatever. Yeah, I do. I have. I mean, it's, it's you know, you relist it again, it'll cost you money. <laughs> right. I'm relisting this stuff for free. I'm not, you know. So I'll relist it. Some of them I'm I'm gonna have to go through and maybe drop the prices a little bit or tweak some stuff here and there before I do. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so uh, real quick, we're actually, I mean, technically we're off the air. We're over our time, but um, went to the, uh, there's actually, there's an auction house right around the corner from my house. And mm. I mean, I've lived here for almost 20 years and I've never once gone inside the place. And I literally <laughs> drive by it on an average of twice a day. <laughs> and I always say, yeah. I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go check it out. Well, I finally... They they usually do auctions every Wednesday, so um, right. I finally went over yesterday and uh, checked it out, and I hung out for about twenty minutes. Um, they, I, I I thought it was like because I knew they were open like uh, uh, for hours beforehand to like view what they're going to have up for that night. So I thought the auction started at like five, and I got there probably like two o'clock yesterday, and it was already going, and I was like, oh shit. So I just, I, you know, checked out what they had that was going to be auctioned off yesterday, and I was walking around just watching as it go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they sold a green TV. It was probably like a. It was no bigger than a thirty inch. Uh, that might even be. I mean, probably like a twenty four inch something, whatever. And it sold for like twenty mm-hmm. bucks. Um, a small refrigerator sold for forty bucks. They had some. Um, I had like an old chair, probably like from the 80s. That was like, you know, like an old man. I, I just picture like a grandfather sitting in it, sold for a dollar. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, so it was kind of, it was kind of wild. Like the prices were like, I mean, it was cheap. You can, I can see you definitely can get stuff cheap there. But um, my buddy Bert, he, he's been going to him a lot now. And he said, you know, it's weird. Like there's some, yeah, but that will get like dirt cheap stuff. He goes, but then there's stuff that people are just paying through the roof for stuff, and it's nowhere near uh, worth what they're paying for. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, that's, you know, it, it depends. You know, it's a good deal if it's, if it's something you need. <laughs> it's junk. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I'll just... that's the thing. Uh, you know, anything is worth... Um, Somebody's willing to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah, I get that all the time because people are like, "Oh, you sell on eBay, you know? I'm a, maybe I'll, I'll try to get, you know, this. It's worth this. You no, know, it's worth what people are willing to pay for it. You may say it's worth that, <laughs> but unless somebody buys it at that, it's not worth that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah, so I'm gonna uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep going over there on Wednesdays and checking that out, and um, I'm gonna try to start bringing some of the furniture and stuff over there little by little, and trying to clear that out and get rid of it, make some money. Mm-hmm. I just hope it does it itself. Do. <laughs> Uh, do they, do, can you tell them? Can you like walk into a piece and maybe tell them, hey, you know, start this off at ten bucks or whatever? Uh, you know what? I that I don't know. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you, you can definitely set a reserve on something. Yeah. yeah. Like he with the with the refrigerator, he started at a hundred, and within two seconds, he was down to twenty five. <laughs> and that's where he got his first bit. I got you. Well, see, then, yeah, you know, it's not a really a dollar. What did what he start at with the dollar? Or did he start at the dollar? No, no, he started at, like, I think, like, 20 or 25 or something like that. Okay. And he, then he went down, he went to five, then he went to two, then he went to one. <laughs> one person, though. Yeah. Two dollars. Or two dollars, a dollar, a dollar. Does somebody want it for a dollar? <laughs> you never know. You never know. At least you get rid of that shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Too funny. Oh, uh, while we've while we've been on the air, uh, it has been confirmed Joe Gertner will be on uh, the show in two weeks. Oh, very good. Yeah, I got a bone to pick with Gertner. Oh, nice. In a sense, not really a bone. I mean, you know, he he had talked about and I, this was a Facebook page, a Facebook post made a couple months back. Uh, he was talking about uh, they were talking about April something as the very first time ECW champion was crowned. I don't remember the day. I remember it was 92, April of 92, but I don't remember that date. Anyway, so he said that he basically he was talking to Todd Gordon and trying to set up something to have that kind of 25th anniversary. You know what? I, I saw that. Right. Now, the, the anniversary that I had been, I had already talked about, and I talked about this uh, probably about six, eight months ago, uh, and I was trying to find somebody to book it, and Tyler uh, Cates was talking about doing it, but he wanted to do it in Philadelphia, and I'm probably not going to get it done by now. But February 25th of 2017 okay. is a Saturday night. It is 25 years to the day, the very first ECW match, Stevie and I. Mm. So what did you want to do, Re- rebook that match on a show? Yeah, well, no. We, we had, Stevie and I had talked about doing a match for, yeah, for the 25th anniversary. One last one. Because technically we've wrestled three times. And you know this. Twice was for you. Um, right. Yeah, the first first one was a draw. Second one, he won. Third one, I won. 
there's no rubber match yet. So this is like the tiebreaker match. It would be, yeah. But it hasn't been booked yet. Nobody's done it. Nobody's talked about it. And see, when after, you know, and I talked about this about six months ago with uh, Tyler and, and uh, Stevie. And then I saw that post by Gertner, and I was like, ah, no, man, come on now. You know, if you're going to celebrate the anniversary, celebrate the first match, don't celebrate the title like a month or two later. So we'll see. We'll talk a little about it. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. So, in fact, Stevie said something about it today. Every time I see him, he says something about it. Because I told him I'd try to get into shape, and it didn't work out. I'm in. I'm in a shape. I'm in. A, I'm in a, I wouldn't call it good, but I can still run circles around penguins or something. There you go. <laughs> uh, how about um uh, the other night? Actually, I went and saw Gertner did stand up. At a, a place in Philly, a person uh, booked him. And did you ever hear the this? I guess he's a CZW guy, Matt Tremont. Oh my God, really? Yeah, they did. did you- now I got there late, so I missed Matt's stand up. But I got there. Gertner was already on stage doing his thing. Um, right. Now Joel, Joel's a funny guy. Normally, you know, Tremont, I don't know so much. I yeah, I don't know. He yeah. seemed like a really, really nice guy. Um, yeah. But I, I uh, yeah, I, I missed him. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know. But it's, it's, you know what? It's a trend with a lot of the wrestlers now. Rob Van Dam is going around doing comedy uh, things some nights. I know Mick Foley did it for a while. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't know what the trend is or why these guys, you know. I know Gertner's a funny guy. And Mick, while I, w- I, I did actually go see Mick's show uh, when he came to North Carolina. Was he in North Carolina or somewhere in Virginia, I forget, wherever it was. Um, but basically, he wasn't, it wasn't like a normal stand-up routine. It was okay. more of stories from the road. The, and that's how... Funny, funny quips. Right. And that's what Gertner tried to do. Oh, okay, yeah. So now, yeah, go ahead. No, he did that, and then he did a and a afterwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's what Mick did as well. So uh, I don't know if Rob Van Dam, if that's the same thing he does, or, you know, uh, he's telling jokes or not. And So, yeah, but it's a trend now with these guys. I don't know, you know, more power to them. Yeah, I actually got up on stage and uh, and told a story. <laughs> he 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 asked me to come up. Uh, yeah, because somebody uh, in the crowd asked him uh, they wanted a uh, crazy new jack or a funny new jack story, and um, he couldn't come up with one. And then somebody asked, "How about a Dudley story?" And then Jess said, "Well, one of them's sitting right here and points to me." And Joel brings me up and you know, he wanted me to tell a Dudley story. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I don't have the Dudley stories, I, but I have a new Jack story. So I told a new Jack story. Okay. I'm trying to tell. 
Um, the time you might have been with me, I couldn't remember who was with me when it was in the travel lodge when somebody tried breaking into his room at the travel lodge and he was on the toilet taking a shit. <laughs> I don't think it was me. I don't think I was there that night. And he chased the dude out of the room. Yeah, he chased the dude out of the room, and I was with somebody, and he starts, like, and Mustafa was there, too. And he starts, like, you know, broke into my room. I was taking a shit. Well, meanwhile, the guy was running for his life. But remember, the travel lodge was a circle. So he ran in a circle. And (laughs) he comes around the other side, runs right back into New Jack. So New Jack pops him and drops the dude and he gets up and runs for his life again and New Jack's like, can you believe this motherfucker? I was taking a shit and the asshole runs right back into us again. <laughs> so New Jack chased after him and the dude like got down on the, uh, ran into the stairwell and ran for his life down the steps. <laughs> now, you, you you would have to think that, it, that the guy didn't know that it was New Jack's room. He would no, I, I, I would hope. I mean, would you really be that stupid to try that? <laughs> yeah, even if he wasn't in there. I'm saying, you know, he, you know, even if he was not in there, you thought he was in the bar or something, and you're going to go up to his room and get, you know, why? Why would you, why would you pick New Jack? So you got to think, he didn't know whose room it was. So, hmm. I remember a New Jack story that uh, Julio Nadera told me one night. It was funny. So, you so Julio was telling me one night, he said they were sitting at the bar and he wasn't with New Jack, but New Jack was maybe three or four people down. Um, and New Jack was yelling. Somebody asked him uh, about a match that he had um, and said, you know, yeah, this, this motherfucker said I stiffed him and I was beating on him and, and I'm not stiff in the ring. I've never stiffed anybody in the ring. Looked down at Julio. Julio, have I ever stiffed you in a match? They looked back and went, no, Jack, absolutely not. Never stiffed me in a match. Jack's like, that's right. Blah, 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 blah. Just went on about his, you know, his story. He looked down at the other guy he was with and went, I've never wrestled Jack once in my life. <laughs> but if, if Jack asks you if he has ever stiffed you in a match, you say, no. That's funny. Whatever happened to that dude? Julio? Yeah. I think he's um, either he's living in Jersey or he's living in D.C. Um, because he basically he stopped. Yeah, no, he stopped wrestling. And, and uh, the girl that he was with, that Michelle, I don't know if you know her or if you remember her. I remember. Nicest girl. Yeah, nicest, sweetest girl. Um, she was doing ballet in for him after he got out after he left ECW. Um, but yeah, so he basically retired. I think he's uh, working shoot stuff, but I don't know what he's doing fully. 
haven't. The last time I saw him was like six years ago, to be honest with you. So. Hmm. Very interesting. Hmm? Very hmm. interesting. Cool. I All right, he well. Thought, he, he, but real quick, you know, remember, he was going to shoot on us uh, when we said hello to him at the friggin' Hooters. Uh, in Ben Salem, the night of the Liberty All-Star reunion. Dude, that was like, um, it's scary. Like, I, that just came up on my news feed the other day. I think it was like six or seven years ago. Yeah, that's so mean. So he was like, <laughs> he didn't remember nothing until he remembered you. <laughs> that was funny. Anyway, scary. all right, so good. That's it. Uh, <laughs> so we're off next right. week. Isn't that nice? We are off next week. It's uh, yeah, Reed's birthday, so uh, we're taking off next week. Hey, buddy, you here for the tickets? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> what were you thinking? Uh, You've got to get your tickets on NFL Ticket Exchange. Oh, NFL Ticket <laughs> My friggin' Ticket Exchange. Was... 100% verified, authentic tickets. There you go. Well, My fantasy football. Yeah. Somebody just got a free commercial. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're off to you anyway. Nobody's listening. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so it's Rita's birthday next week. I have a, a pre-taped show. Uh, I have three interviews already pre-taped that I'll be playing next week. Um, so stay tuned to uh, the social media pages and uh, Facebook page and all that, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I'll be putting that stuff out there. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be doing uh, TDR Rocks. I'm going to be celebrating uh, the 60th birthday of Mr. Randy Rhodes. So we're going to be doing a lot of Oz, Randy, and Quiet Riot. Um, and then we'll return in two weeks with uh, Joel Gertner and somebody else, and I, I don't remember who. So again, stay tuned to social media. And then uh, our last show of the year will be uh, the 22nd, I think that is, three weeks from tonight. And we're going to have our old friend, Mr. Nick Wilkinson, joining us that night. And he is going to uh, join us for the last last show of the year, which is our best of show, where we're going to be going through and figuring out who was the best guest all different categories of 2016. So actually, I'm going to have to, uh, I had the categories right in front of me, and I'm going to have to uh, send them up to you guys. This way you guys can start preparing for that in three weeks, including, I got to prepare as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be fun night. It'll be a fun night. And this weekend, actually, I am at the uh, Saturday night, 6 o'clock. In North Lauderdale, Florida, the North Lauderdale days, there of some kind. So, uh, CCW wrestling will be up there Saturday night, six o'clock. Are you working or? Uh, believe so, maybe. Most likely, they'll Shanghai me into it somehow. Oh, <laughs> uh, too funny. Usually they do. Although I've gotten better at saying no. 
you know, I was just going to say, it's very hard for you to say no. It is. It always is. But usually now what I've started to do is leave my stuff at home. <laughs> you know, and for a wrestler, that's like, you never do that, right? You always bring your shit with you. Mm-hmm. I've started leaving it at home. That way I could say, hey, no, no, I left it home. Uh, somebody hey, just do put that up, again. We'll see how it feels Saturday night. Hmm? Somebody just put up this as a status. Uh, you, you would probably get it. Um, just met a girl named Darla. I asked her why she didn't like tough guys. She didn't get it. Maybe some of you do. The He Man Woman Haters Club. <laughs> oh, too funny. Yep. That's it, Spanky. We got it. <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks to our guests tonight. We had a great show. Really, a uh, really fun guest, uh, mm-hmm. Ashley Bird and uh, David Richmond. And uh, it was very productive. Very productive. Yeah, you know what? If for for having a show where we didn't have um, like entertainment based guests, it was a really good show. Mm-hmm. There you go. It, it was a real shit. Chips just fall where they are. There you go. <laughs> now I'm going to go let my All body right. fall to bed and go to sleep. So on that note, everybody, uh, have a great weekend. Uh, Mr. Jenny, you as well. Hope to talk to you soon. And uh, stay driven. Good night, everybody.